get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We've got a fun show planned for you guys today. We've got some guy named John Hamm. He's going to be on the station coming up at noon. I don't know why he agreed to come on with us. Apparently, Jamie's friends with him or something. I don't know. So we'll get to, we'll get into that coming up at noon. Coming up at 1230, it's Joey Vitale for a weekly conversation with the Blues analyst. But where we begin today is with a conversation that started yesterday. We asked each other, who are the legitimate superstars in the NFL right now? We came up with a pretty good list, I would say. <laughs> and towards the end of the conversation, we were like, you know what? We kept referencing, yeah, who does my girlfriend know? Who does my wife know? So on and so forth. Why didn't we just ask the wives? Why didn't we ask my girlfriend? So that's exactly what we did yesterday, and that's where we begin today's show. Who are the superstars in the NFL, according to the three of our significant others? Jamie, how did your wife do on this one? Okay, first of all, let's set the stage properly. Okay. Um, my fifth grader yesterday had a little graduation, moving on to middle school. So the moms got together with the daughters, both group of four or five of them, their little group circle of friends, socially distanced on the back patio, and they had a little grad party. I'm not sure the moms realized that it was the kids' grad party, <laughs> but my wife, she came in, she was coming in hot when she got home, okay? She, she had had a few uh, glasses of wine, and so this was entertaining, to say the least, because she looked at me at first like, why are you asking me about football players? I told you guys yesterday, like, the sound of football to her is like makes her skin crawl. I don't know why, just it is what it is. So she's like, seriously, right now? I'm like, yes, right now. She goes, well, what, what do you want to know? I go, name top five for you, or just name five, any five current NFL players that you deem to be superstars. Yeah. She goes, that's easy. I go, oh, okay, great, it's easy, okay. She, I go, go fire away. She goes, well, Gronk. I go, okay. She's on yeah. uh, my list as well. Yeah, she goes, Gronk, well, he's back, right? I said, yeah. She goes, okay, so Gronk, Brady. She's okay. like, come on, Tom Brady. She's like, oh, she, did, she goes, um, oh, your little buddy there, Tom Brady. And I was like, oh, okay, great. All right, we're good. Oh, yeah, and then the guy with the funny hair who just won the Super Bowl. I'm like, um, Patrick Mahomes? She's like, yeah, yeah, that's the guy. He plays for the Chiefs, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he he still plays, right? I'm like, yeah, he's only played two years, honey. Yeah, he still plays. It's it's good. Yeah, and then she goes, oh, and that little little snotty guy who's always pouty and moaning and groaning. I'm like, 
Jay Cutler? <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm like, oh, who's, who's she talking to? She goes, you know, that Rogers oh, guy. Oh, Rogers. <laughs> I go, what? I go, where does Aaron Rogers come from? She goes, well, I remember watching The Bachelorette, and his brother was on there, and he was really not nice to his family, and so I've, I've hated him ever <laughs> That's since. That's amazing. So That's Aaron awesome. Rogers makes the list, not even for football. So we've got four so far. We've got Gronk, Brady, Mahomes, and Rogers. Yeah, and then um, it just so happened that there was an ad Last night, they're running for this, what, crazy tag? The ultimate tag. Ultimate shot. tag. Yep. And so then she, I, she goes, who's that big guy? I go, well, that's J.J. Watt. She goes, what does he do? I go, well, he's a football player. She goes, oh, yeah, okay, him too. Because she didn't have a fifth, okay? That's funny. Okay, so I love that she didn't have a fifth. I'm going to go now, and then I'll have Alex. I'll have you go next. Because I've got, let's see my top four here. Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. The exact same top four as what Jamie's wife put together is what Kara put together. And then I got into this. Quote, Le'Veon Bell was really good at one point. Does he still play football? (laughs) (laughs) So that was the fifth. The fifth current player that I have is Le'Veon Bell. And the only reason she knows Le'Veon Bell is for the last two years, her work, they've decided to put together a fantasy league. And she had Le'Veon Bell two years ago, and he, like, really helped her team. Or three years ago, whatever it was. When it was his last year playing for the Steelers, he helped her win the league. So that's the only reason she she knows Le'Veon Bell. That's fantastic. Well, I'm so glad, Ribs, that you said your wife, that you had to help her kind of come up with the names because that was my entire conversation. Yeah, some of these with, were physical descriptions, oh yeah, and so yeah. that's what my wife Katie last night. It, it was it was brutal. So she had two of you guys' top four. So we had Pat Mahomes, but she said, "Who's the guy that just won the Super Bowl?" Pat Mahomes. Okay, we got that. Who's the guy that's married to the the supermodel? Tom Brady. Okay, we got that. Then she goes, "Hell, I don't know." <laughs> and so she sit there thinking, and she goes. What about that ultimate tag show? Aren't they football players? There you go. Same thing. And, and it's because I'm obsessed with the show. I can't wait for it. So I go, yeah, JJ and TJ Watt. She goes, yeah. And then she goes, why'd they name him TJ? That's dumb. <laughs> and then she wrapped it up and she goes, who's the guy that they throw Skittles at? Marshawn. Marshawn Lynch. I was amazed she remembered the Skittles guy. Okay. Now, he's a former player, though, technically. But, he's not on yeah. the team, but now, he, he played last year, so we'll count it. And that's what I was going off of. He yeah. came up in our conversation, too, and... She, I I know who she was talking about. She was talking about the guy. She goes, you know, the guy with the dreadlocks. And he's like, you know, he's like beast mode. He looks always like he he needs a shower. And I'm like, oh, okay. But she didn't end up. She's like, nah, no, never mind. I don't want to go with him. I'm like, okay, fine. But, yeah, Marshawn Lynch came up in our conversation. I had to end it with Katie because at that point she just kept listing, like, random people's names. She's like, is he a football player? I'm like, no, that's an actor. So I don't even know where you're going with this. So So what Kara tried to make this into at one point, before she had gotten to Le'Veon Bell, because she could only get to the four, right? She kind of had the same situation as your wife did, Jamie, where she could get to the four and she was like, I... (laughs) Who was that Dolphins player? Oh, yeah. It's like, Dan Marino? She's like, yeah, I've seen him in a movie. Wasn't he pretty good? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Pet detective. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, Dan Marino was uh, was pretty solid. So she went that route, and then she continued. Are you guys looking for the hottest coach? Because I think that Rams coach, he's pretty good looking as well. I was like, okay, well, we, we could include a coach. So she's talking about, of course, Sean, Sean McVay there. My wife did that last night. So she goes, because I did the coaches list. And I go, okay, give me some, give me three coaches. She goes, well, Bill Belichick. I said, okay. So she knew that. But then she goes, who is that? The, the coach that just won the Super Bowl. He was really hot. I pulled up a picture of Andy Reid. And she goes, oh, no, not him. <laughs> and then I go. Depends who you are. And then I said, this guy, Kyle Shanahan. So she goes, yeah, he was really hot. 
Kyle Shanahan was her other coach. Okay, so hang on here. Let's dial yeah. it in so that our, our listeners aren't all over the place. So we've done our top five, okay? Now, let's move on to what our girlfriends, wives said would be all time. Yeah. So they don't even have to be playing anymore, yeah. okay? Because I thought this is going to be super easy oh, at this point. This was great. So I'll go first here with my list. Okay. Number one player mentioned all time from Shannon Rivers. Tim Tebow. What? <laughs> yeah. It oh, happened. Yes. That is fantastic. I go, why would you say that? She goes, well, because he was always all over the place. Everybody was always talking about Tim Tebow. So you know what? That struck me to our conversation yesterday where we talk about how spectacular some players are, but they don't transcend. Yeah. They don't They don't get the marketability. Well, here's a guy who was average at best in the NFL, very quick stint. And my wife, who's not a football fan at all, goes, Tim Tebow is her number one all time. Fantastic. So a guy that was kind of in that light for Kara was Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan was the first guy that she mentioned because she said, who's that guy that's on that show with Kelly? I said, are you talking about Michael Strahan? She said, yeah, he's on TV. I'm pretty sure he was a former player. <laughs> mm -hmm. So she knows him not because he was, you know, the guy that broke the single season sacks record, yeah. but because he's now on television. She then said... Wasn't Michael Vick the dog fighter guy? Oh boy, I know him as well. Yep. He's trash. So, <laughs> Still, we have Michael Vick on the list. We've got Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk because yeah. of the St. Louis connection, and then she added in Peyton Manning because she saw him on Saturday Night Live once. What's <laughs> funny about the Rams connection as as we went down the all time list, and I'll just rhyme them out quickly. Her next one was Kurt Warner, obvious reasons. Yep. Uh, then she went back to Tom Brady for all time. She's like, just he makes both lists. I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> then she went with Steven Jackson and Anthony Hargrove. Anthony Hargrove. Reason being, Neighbor. these guys were our, in neighbors. our neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> so makes sense. We had uh, Anthony on a little while ago. Uh, I think the first or second week of quarantine, he was nice enough to come on. But Anthony lived across the street from us, come out and play with the kids in the cul-de-sac. Yeah. And then Stephen lived about four or five houses down on our left. So she's like, yeah, I, those guys I remember. So my all-time was very entertaining. Kurt Warner was the first one, obvious reasons. Yeah. From there, Peyton Manning. My wife loves the commercials with Brad Paisley because she loves Brad Paisley. Then she picked Brian Erlacher. Oh, yeah. No idea why. <laughs> she just said, that Erlacher guy. I yeah, said, yeah. okay, that's one. I could see that. And then this is where it got great, guys. She goes, what about those two murderers? Oh, boy. Oh, and OJ and Aaron Hernandez. OJ and Aaron. And we watched the OJ oh, documentary and the Hernandez yeah. documentary. And so she goes, yeah, Simpson and Hernandez. So those were her top five. So the way that we are learning to become a famous person in the NFL murder. is by murder dogfighting or being on a national television show after your yeah. career ends. Yeah, and I would personally suggest the tele television show is probably <laughs> your best angle about yeah. that. So, yeah. I mean, all three are effective. Yeah. She continued with the coach line, right? Yeah. So Kara knows Andy Reid because I'm a Chiefs fan, and so she is then forced to watch all of the Chiefs games, right? So she knows Andy Reid. That was the first one she came up with. I told you about Sean McVay. Hey, he's the hot coach, mm -hmm. Sean McVay. She continued. There were two others that she could immediately think of. She said, his name wasn't Dick Van Dyke. Who was the Rams coach that won the Super Bowl? Are you talking about Dick Vermeil? She's like, yes, Dick Vermeil is one that I close, know. Close Dick, Dick Van, Van Dyke. Dyke. There's, there's <laughs> a Dick in there somewhere. She, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> she then said, 
who's the guy that said, da bears? I was like, are you talking about Mark Ditka? She's like, yeah, I love him too. Because he said, da bears. Uh, bears. So, those were the ones that I had for coaches. Jamie, who did you get on the coaching? Uh, coaches, side of it things? was fast and furious on this one. It was uh, your buddy to me. She goes, uh, you know, your buddy, that, that Bill guy. I go, Belichick? She's like, yeah, Bill Belichick. And I go, okay, who else? Uh, Steve. I go, Steve who? Pat. <laughs> and she goes, Mike. I'm like, what are you doing right now? She goes, I don't know. One of them has to be named that. So it uh, it started and ended with Bill Belichick. Mine was, that was it. Hers was Belichick. And then she said the hot coach that I had to clarify as Kyle Shanahan. And then I ended it because we weren't going anywhere. So she only had two coaches' names. There you so we it. won. We won. And yeah. the Kylie household, we got to three. You guys because won. Because I watched the Chiefs. Yep. But we did figure out one thing. That Tom Brady has probably got the most yeah. superstar. We got the clear-cut top four, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the clear top four was Gronk, Brady, Mahomes, and Rodgers. Yeah. And yeah. Then I think you can add J.J. Watt because he does other stuff off of the field. And both of you had him on your yeah. list. Yeah. I think that's the five. There it I is. I think the five transcendent NFL players today. Gronk, Brady, Mahomes, Rodgers, and J.J. Watt. We We've have come a up winner. With Thank you, list. significant others. I would suggest to anybody in our audience oh, yeah. right now, whether you're a male or a female, it doesn't matter. You can ask your significant other if you're a listener right or now. Ask your sister, ask your mother, ask Whoever, your father. Somebody yeah. in your life that doesn't watch the NFL, ask them to name the players that they know from the NFL that are current former, and then three coaches. It will be one of the best conversations that you have this week. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. You can always get involved in the show at 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. It is 1116. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The tide officially turning for pro sports to return. We'll discuss it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Barring something unforeseen at this point, the NBA and its teams expect they're going to return this season and play. And, and the first step of that process is going to be uh, around June 1st, give or take some time, the league telling teams, recall your players uh, into your cities, quarantine them, and then let's get moving on the individual workouts and eventually ramping up to uh, essentially a second training camp. And then teams uh, from that point would be off to those campus slash bubble environments if there's one or two of them, uh, and then the season would resume. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Jamie? I'm starting to get optimistic. That was Adrian Wojnarowski earlier today on Get Up on ESPN, talking about how close the NBA is to its potential return. This also comes from ESPN. Barring an unforeseen turn of events, many NBA owners, executives, and NBA PA elders believe that Commissioner Adam Silver will greenlight the return to play in June with games expected to resume sometime before the end of July. End quote. It sounds like it's going to be either one of or both of Orlando at Disney World and Las Vegas. We now know also that the NHL has some plans that appear to be starting to come together with two hub cities instead of four. Mm -hmm. 24 team playoff right off of the bat. And we now even have exactly what that format would look like. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Jamie? 
for as much pessimism as there has been about pro sports' potential return, I'm starting to get as optimistic as I've been this entire time that we are not only going to see a return, but based on the plans, I think specifically for the NBA and for the NHL, that the return is going to work. I think we're going to see the start and finish of both of those seasons as a result. Yeah, I agree. And we've talked about this at length that, you know, they, they have fewer teams and fewer games to play to get it done, to put it in the books per se. The NBA and the NHL, however they want to do their playoff format. And like you said, we're going to dive into the NHL's suggested format or what could be probably some tweaks still left in that. But the bottom line is you're not going to have the whole league playing. And after that, on a weekly basis, you're going to be eliminating teams and you're going to be reducing the risk of your mass quantity of players being infected. So... To me, it works to the advantage of the NBA and the NHL right now, setting up their two hub cities and and just going at it that way. Major League Baseball, I still think they have a lot of hurdles. I don't know why they're sticking to this, everybody in their cities. I guess, okay, I think it's let me rephrase that. We know. I know why they're doing it, okay? But I don't know why the players are sticking to that. Why would you not just say, we'll do some hub cities and then let's revisit this halfway through. And at the halfway point, if you can readjust and things are headed in the right direction nationally and globally with the coronavirus, then you say, okay, guess what, guys? Let's go finish our seasons at home now. We feel safe enough to do it. And we've gotten this much of the season done and out of the way. We feel good. All right. The way they're doing it, I just think baseball, I feel like baseball's complicating it more, like almost on purpose. Is that wrong? No, it's fair. And Jeff Passan was on ESPN yesterday. And it's not only the fact that they've still got a lot of hurdles to clear. They're also the league that has the least amount of time to be able to clear those hurdles. Here's Jeff Passan on the timeline that they're looking at right now as well. Well, we're talking about a proposed June 10th or so start to spring training. And the way that it would get phased in is pitchers would come first and then players. And so it it would be a gradual thing to build up. And you'd have about three weeks of spring training until you have games at the beginning of July. So if we just count backward, in people's minds, a deal needs to be struck at latest by the end of May. If there's not something on the table signed by June 1st, we're not going to have baseball as early as they were hoping. And that is a very loud ticking clock right now. If they have June 10th as that date, right? Like, I don't know if you guys had this whenever you were planning your weddings, but for whatever reason, some people... I didn't people, get to plan my wedding. <laughs> me no, neither. That's what, that's what I mean. I like, got so, told what to do, where to be, what to wear. Give me a sec. I'm getting there. I know, Jamie. but I, I'm still in therapy. Over. Some people, for, for me, a, a woman, has a date in the back of their mind for whatever reason, and it just gets stuck there, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, I'm getting married on April 12th, and that's what it's going to be, whether it be 2023, 2025, whatever it is. I'm getting married on that date. Mm-hmm. That's the date that I'm getting married. Baseball seems to have that with June 10th. Baseball is fixated on getting back to play on June 10th. That's when they open up these spring training sites because of how long it's going to take them to get their regular season in and be able to finish their postseason. If that is the case, if they are truly stuck on that date, if that date matters to them, May 27th, which is one week from yesterday, is the final date that they are able to come to an agreement while also having the two weeks to be able to quarantine their players up until June 10th. We are less than a week away from that potential deadline for yeah. Major League Baseball to be that able to get this thing done. That deadline's going to come and go, right. fellas. Let's be honest here. Yeah, I, mean, I don't see that happening. Now, I'm, what I don't understand is 
these baseball players, the pitchers and catchers are usually the first to report. Pitchers need the longest amount of training to get ready for the season. Why are they not already training? I think a lot of them are, but they're training on their own, right? So they're training in their spring training sites for some of them. They're training wherever they're from for some of them. My point is it's not a lockout. It's not a strike. So it's not like you can't be with your coach. Do you know what I'm saying? They're not allowed to be with their coaches right now. Okay, but what, according to hear police. me out. If you're in the practice facility and your pitching coach is there and your pitching coach is standing 10, 15 feet away, you're 90 feet from the, the catcher, whatever it is, why, why can we not be doing this? So from my understanding, and Alex, you can correct me if you've heard anything that's that's different from this, but because not everybody can be at those facilities right now, they don't want anybody to have an unfair advantage. That's so they've correct. basically closed down the ability so to be able to work with your coaches. get your together and get all your guys to I think an this area. is all leagues, actually. Right. I think it's not just Major no, League No, I understand, but get, get your crap together. Well, and even you. in hockey, Doug Armstrong said Tuesday night that, you know, players can be skating wherever they're at. Like, some players have the ability in Sweden or in mm-hmm. Finland or Canada, wherever they're at, they have the ability to. But that's that's them. That has nothing to do with the NHL. So in baseball, you can't go to a spring training facility and work out because that's baseball's facility. You can work out on a field wherever you're at, but you can't have that unfair advantage. I just look at it from the lockouts that went by. And Alex, you know, working with the players that were doing captain's practices and yeah. doing that or finding a local guy to... So what Tom Brady's doing right now with the through, Bucks. Right. Yeah, like, why are they not doing that? Like, why are the can. teams not just ex- instructing them to do I that? I think some have. Like, there, I know there are some Cardinals down in Jupiter. We've heard this now from John Mosellock, who are down there by the spring training site. Some of them have houses down there. A lot of them Michael's do. Michaelis lives there. So they're down there, and they are doing exactly what you're talking about, Jamie, where they've taken it upon themselves to just go work out to, kind of together. The only I think- reason I put up this argument or discussion or whatever you want to call it is because we're talking about how, oh, that June 10th is coming, and we're not going to have time. Well, if the players really want this to work, the pitchers will start to get active now. They'll find a way to get going so that they don't need as much time, so they don't have to push that date back. Basically, if you want something to happen bad enough, you find a way to make it work. Am I right? Yeah, For yeah. sure. I, I'm talking about the quarantine, though, because they're going to have to quarantine for those two weeks, right? And then we're already talking about a hugely shortened spring training. Mm-hmm. It's going to be completely different than what we're used to whenever they do finally start these games. Mm-hmm. Pitcher's probably going to go three, four innings instead of six or seven innings to start the season. So it, it'll be different, and there will be some things that change from what we're used to. But the Heck, deadlines are coming. Three innings right now. Well, remember, spring training is yeah, not going to be full squad. It's going to be individual groups. So you're not going to have a full squad workout on the field, which is ridiculous. Like if you're right. going to have the leagues back, you just got to have Let the leagues go. back. At right. some point, we just have to say there's risk here. There is inherent risk to play these sports. Risk in everything. And so if you're going to bring them back, bring them back fully, yeah, or don't right. bring them back at all. I did want to read this quote quickly from Bob Nightingale. He wrote a scathing column last night on major. League Baseball and its need to get back to the field. Quote, the union may still scoff at any idea of a revenue sharing plan, but will tell you that they are open to listening to any proposal MLB wants to offer. Major League Baseball, meanwhile, will tell you that if the union flatly refuses any revenue sharing plan, the union should propose an an economic plan of their own. It's possible this will come to an end by the end of this week. Manfred and MLB attorneys plan to present an economic plan to the union by tomorrow to people with direct knowledge of the negotiations, perhaps outlining with greater detail their projected losses for 2020. They each are hoping hoping that an agreement can be reached by June 3rd. 
The players report to spring training by June 10th that we were just talking about. Regular season starts on June 1st and the entire postseason completed by Halloween because they are concerned of a potential second outbreak. So it start on July 1st. July 1st, excuse yeah. me. June 3rd would be the day that they could reach yeah. the agreement. June 10th would be the day that they start spring training, which I'm not sure how that works if you're not quarantining for two weeks, whatever. And then July 1st would be the start of the regular season. I just season. didn't want you to get totally beat up again today on the text line. You know, we have made it 30 minutes. 30 and minutes. that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. In or out is next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. He's doing some sort of dance right now. I'm letting you know what Yikes. we got. It's in or out on 101 ESPN. Send your text in, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you've got something you want to see if we're in or out on, let's start with this, Jamie. The XFL's potential return to St. Louis. Dan Kaplan was on the with the fast lane yesterday and said, it's possible. He throws it into bankruptcy, which relieves him of all the contractual obligations. He doesn't have to pay the team presidents. He doesn't have to pay the players. But he buys the intellectual property, the rights to the XFL team logos, the rights to the rules, to, to even to the ball, which was unique to the XFL. And then if time passes and things improve, he can restart it. Slimy as hell, in my opinion, but apparently effective as a way to keep your business operating. Jamie, you in or out on the XFL's potential return to St. Louis? I am all in, baby. Vince McMahon, I know he, I knew he had that level of slime ball in him. We talked about it, right? I'm like, come on. He doesn't care at all. He threw that thing into bankruptcy strategically so he could rebuy it and then run it the way he wants to do it again without paying those other people. So I can't believe this is even possible. It should be completely, ridiculously illegal to do what he is trying to do right now. XFL 3.0. It's Vince McMahon, guys. Come on. Of course he's doing this. Yeah. yeah. Look at him. And he continued to do all his smackdowns and all that stuff. He, I don't think WWE even paused no. for a week, let alone a day. And, uh, you know, this guy's out to, to create a business. And, like, I don't really care. Bring sure, back sure. the Battle Hawks, baby. Yes. I'm in. Let's do it. I'm, I'm here in. for it. All in. The one thing that I request, can we please get another quarterback like Jordan Tom? Because I would not like to be wow. one of those teams that didn't have the quarterback when going on. Tom goes to the Chiefs, we may end up with Mahomes because he's going to oh, obviously geez. take that job. Or maybe. In or out, Taysom Hill as a franchise quarterback. We're just going to move right along from that. Taysom Hill? Jay Glazer yesterday wrote this, oh, Jamie boy. Rivers. Quote, I think Sean Payton was always hoping to unleash him on the league without anyone seeing him before. Four, but now we've seen it with Lamar Jackson. Taysom Hill is a bigger version of Lamar Jackson. No, it's not a smoke screen. He likes him that much. He's going to be the guy after Drew Brees retires. He's with the perfect coach for that end quote. Again, that came from Jake Glazer. Those weren't my words. Those were his. Jamie Rivers in or out on Taysom Hill as a franchise quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I'm out. I'm out. I don't see anything at all that Jay Glazer is talking about here. I, I don't see it. Um, look, if they were so strong on Taysom Hill, did they go sign Jameis Winston? 
You know, yeah, it's a great third quarterback, but that tells me that always tells me a story, right? The story is, eh, we're not so sure. Otherwise, they wouldn't spend that money. They wouldn't waste that spot. They'd find a younger guy and try to develop under Taysom Hill because they're going to hand it off to him next. So for me, I'm all out on this one. Do you know how many career passing touchdowns Taysom Hill has? Three. One. Any guesses? I say three. He's never had oh, the <laughs> it's a rush touchdown. He has never thrown a passing touchdown. He has thrown one interception. In fact, he has a total of 13 career passing attempts. Ugh. I think Heinz Ward might have more passing attempts in his career. Just slinging it, huh? And then Taysom Hill does. Taysom Hill's 30 years old this year. He's going to turn 31 years Winston? old next year. I, he's younger. He's okay, like 26. So to me, that's the na- that's the natural progression here. If, if Winston has a good year and his eyes are as good as we think they could be after the surgery and he God buys in, LASIK. I think that you could get a guy like James Jameis Winston in there over Taysom Hill. Hey. So I couldn't be any farther out on this. From the 636, Taysom to the Battlehawks. I'm in. I'm, in on that. I'm all in on that. <laughs> I'm out. Taysom Hill is as a franchise quarterback, I couldn't be more out. All right, let's go to this one. Major League, or excuse me, minor league food to go. According to the New York Post, a growing number of minor league baseball organizations across the country are now making their signature concessions available for curbside pickup amid the coronavirus pandemic. They are offering everything from hot dogs and wings to more quirky regional favorites such as trash cans and loose meat sandwiches. Hmm. Jamie, are you in or out on going to a minor league ballpark for carryout? Okay, well, let's break this down. If that minor league ballpark is in my geographic area... Oh, yeah, I'm not saying drive six hours well, to get I'm some takeout. I'm breaking it down <laughs> here, right? Because if you just put it out there, I'd be like, yeah, I'd like to go to Knoxville. No, no, I'm not doing that. But if it's like on my way home or in my circle of restaurants that I would get curbside from or, or takeout, yeah, I would do it. Now, the problem is this. Are they going to charge ballpark prices? Oh, 100%. Or are we getting, like, market prices? Because if you get market prices, I'm all in. If you go ballpark prices, no way. I can get all these items somewhere else close to me. So they better be careful with that. Have you ever been to a minor league game before? Yep. One. They're fun. They're a lot They're of good. fun. I went to the, what are they, the Rascals? Uh, Not quite minor league, but... Well, what, like independent league yeah, or whatever. It's independent league. It's the same, same concept, concept right? League baseball, though. It's close it? enough. Uh, <laughs> the Memphis Redbirds put on an incredible performance for their games. It's a lot of fun, man. This, and the other thing about minor league baseball, they're going no, to charge you more the price. The Gateway Grizzlies, isn't that where they are? I'm pretty sure also independent league. Yeah, it's okay. independent. Neither here nor there. Swing and a miss again on that one. Strike two, buddy. The nice thing about going to minor league games is the food is really cheap most of the time. Okay. And they give you amazing giveaways because they've got to find ways to get people in the state. I'd be out though. The thing about ballpark food is ballpark food is when you is good when you're at the ballpark. Ballpark food ain't that great when you're bringing it home. You don't it's think it's going to travel well? I don't Your think it's going to be with cheese. Yeah. You don't Those nachos are going to be flimsy no. by the time you get home. It's not quite what I'm I, looking for on my road on my ride home. I'm out on it. I'm, I'm out, out as I'm well. Out. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Get your questions in. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Questions and answers are next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe? Text now 65780. It's Ribs and BK's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 
With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 10 minutes, we're going to be talking with John Hamm, native of St. Louis, blue superfan, also kind happens of to deal. be an actor and a producer. He'll be joining us coming up here in just about 10 minutes. But it is time for questions and answers. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved. Let's start with this. I asked this of Dan McLaughlin earlier today in the crossover. I want to ask it of both of you. Uh-oh. Who do you believe to be the best Cardinal of the decade? Now, I'll give you a few nominees before you get in, get started. Adam Wainwright, got to be on the list. Yadier Molina, got to be on the list. The other three that I would bring up, Matt Carpenter, Matt Holliday, and maybe this is going to sound a little bit weird, but Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols only had two years in this like, decade. I understand. The longevity is absolutely like, not what there. What decade are we talking about here? 2010 through 2019. So, so nine Pujols years. only had two years. So nine That's years. ten years. It's not a, no, ten seasons. It's nine. Okay. Well, we can 2010 do, we can do 2019. Oh, do don't be one of those people. What are you talking about? Oh, 2010. That's still a part of it. It doesn't count. Okay, whatever, guys. Yeah. I'm just Anyway, so the best cardinal of that <laughs> decade comes down to, in my opinion, those five names. I think you can actually even narrow it down even further. I think it's between Wayno, Molina, and Carpenter. I think most people on our text line would probably say, and I'd love to hear from you, 65780, or on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. You can get involved there, too. Who do you think is the best Cardinal of the decade? Most people, I believe, will go with Yadier Molina. Jamie. I think that's Who would the, you go with? Look, I, can you really lose at this one, right? Like, these guys have all had a great decade. And I know the hot button out of all these guys is Matt Carpenter. It's because what it's always, what's that saying? You always remember what happened to you recently more than the past. I don't know. I Something botched, like that. I just absolutely you beat with the this? snot out of that one there. <laughs> but you remember things better that are you know more present. And Matt Carpenter hasn't had a great year specifically last year he was not all that fantastic so people are going to go right to that and be like how is he even on the list but i know you have some interesting data and analytics to back that up at least i think you do but my pick is yachty i'm going with the fan favorite yachty i think that what he does on a day in day out basis and the fact that he plays so many games and captain of the clubhouse just a lot going on there so for me it's yachty i'll go the tony larusse answer tie for first can we do that? No. No. Yeah. No. It's, no, that's a fence sitter. No. It's Yachty. You know, if, if if Wainwright's Cy Young performance wasn't in 2009, it was in 2011 or 12 or 13, then I think you could make that argument for Wainwright. But with Yachty's amount of games played, with how he has managed that transition from Chris Carpenter to Adam Wainwright to Jack Flaherty, with how he has still been a winning catcher, Gold Glove Award winner, you, you got to pick Yachty if it comes to the decade. And text line real quick here, 636 they go, it's what have you done for me lately, Rivs? So, yes, that's <laughs> what I was looking for is the what have you done for me lately. So, Almost there. All right. Sorry, BK. So, Wayno had some peak years. 2013-2014 finished in the top five of the Cy Young Awards both years. So, those are peak seasons. Matt Carpenter had some real peak seasons, too, though. He was in the top five of MVP voting in 2013. He was in the top 15 of MVP voting two other years, 2015 and 2018. He is a three-time All-Star, a silver slugger. Matt Carpenter is a damn good player. Broke the doubles record set by Stan Musial. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that because of, like you said, what he was a year ago. So I think you have to go longevity here. 
But if I'm talking about peak, if I'm talking about who had the single best season of these three, I think it would go Wayno with his 2013 season at number one. But now and we're then, going single seasons, though? You no, no, said no, no. decade. I, I know. I'm with you. I, I answered the question. Don't move I, the goalposts I would go me. Yachty for the, for the decade. All I would right. have him as my player of the decade for the Cardinals. All right. But if we're looking single season, I think you. the most impressive single <laughs> season this decade was Adam Wainwright. And then after that, I would go Matt Carpenter. And, of course, you've got to throw anything from Albert Pujols that was involved in the decade would be up there as well. Yeah. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Jamie, the next one that I've got for you. Mm-hmm. The UFC. Yeah. They got an event approved for May 30th in Nevada. We are now seeing here in St. Louis, you got your Synergy Hockey approved to be able to use hockey rink starting, what, mid-June, right? June 15th. Oh, baby. We are seeing the Tampa Bay Rays just yesterday announced that they're going to be allowing players to come back to their facilities very soon. Mm Mm-hmm. How significant do you think it is that we're starting to see sporting activities being allowed throughout the country in different locales with players actually being able to get back onto their field of play? Well, I think it's huge because until you actually venture out into that arena or that ballpark, whatever, you don't really know what it's going to look like or how you're going to handle certain situations. So the fact that we're going to open up the doors, even in a smaller capacity, and have maybe less players that are allowed in the building or on the ice or on the field or whatever we're talking here, you'll find a way to make it so that you can train being socially distanced. You can train and do things where you maybe don't need your full team, but at least you can get back to it. And as things progress, and for certainly for NHL major sports, as the testing is available or as the frequent testing becomes more available, then you increase the workload for the guys. You increase the number of players in the facility until you get everybody who's cleared, and now you just, you know, you're going full tilt. You're running the horses hard every day, and you just got to make sure then your players are being safe too. From a smaller side of things, I think for, like you mentioned, Synergy Hockey, the rinks here in St. Louis County are going to be opening up on June 15th. And again, we will be somewhat of the guinea pigs for how to get on ice, how to separate kids in in a good way, how to train for skills, how to set up locker rooms, drop off, parent pickup, whatever you're doing, it's going to kind of you know, make the blueprint for people to follow that way. And the Blues at the same time, they'll have an idea of how they're going to roll through there at the sa- and, and make sure that their players are safe. So, yeah, I love the direction that we're headed in. I just want to make sure that everybody's careful and prudent and doing things the right way so that we don't mess it up just because we get overzealous. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's also some significant news from college football today. Louisville announced that football, men's, and women's basketball teams can all begin uh, returning to campus May 27th. They're going to start their voluntary workouts on June 8th. I know today the SEC, their athletic directors, are going to be on a conference call together as well. They're talking about potentially returning to their home sites as well in mid-June. So if they are able to do so, from my understanding of reading some of this stuff, they'd have about a month where they're able to kind of work out along with their strength and conditioning coaches. There will be no on-field work in that time. But it's starting to move in a positive direction. I would suggest that this all says 
we're going to have the sports returning sooner than later. Anybody that can figure out their financials, the on-field product, it's going to be allowed. And that was a significant hurdle as recently as probably two weeks ago. And now we're seeing so many things open up that it's becoming clear that it's going to be at least possible. Last question that I had for you, Jamie, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Yesterday, we talked briefly about this. Ohio State's athletic director says they're going to allow twenty to 30,000 fans to attend college football games this fall, potentially, mm-hmm. if they can get it approved. Can you see yourself going to a college football game this fall or going to a sporting event in the fall? Well, that's, that's a tough question, right? Because I actually don't know the last time I went to a sporting event as a fan. Fair. Um, Great. Great answer. It, it's tough, right? And that sounds weird, but like any blues game we go to, I'm either working it for radio or television, or I'm there in the alumni suite with that. So it's not like I'm sitting in the stadium. I've been to one college football game in my life. It was at the big house. It was Michigan Notre Dame. Hell of a game to go that to. That was amazing. Um, you know, I to me though, me personally, if I'm that super fan, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I want to see how this works out. I want the proof of concept to go through before I'm buying the product. I think I would go, but it wouldn't be week one, if that makes sense. I would want to see like you. I I think I would want (laughs) to see two weeks after, so that way I could see how much came out of it, right? Like, if you're able to know after the fact, hey, there's 100 people that tested positive afterwards, I'd probably be like, eh, maybe not for me. But if we get a couple of weeks down the road and there's everything seems like it's going okay, I think I'd treat it kind of like I treat going to the grocery store. I'd, I'd try to go less often, but I'd still probably make it happen. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Very excited about this conversation coming up next. He's a native St. Louisan. He's a Blues super super fan. He is also an actor and a producer. He is the one and only John Hamm. How would he cast a Blues? Stanley Cup run movie. We're going to ask John Hamm next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's 1203, your time check brought to you by Clarks and Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where we are happy to be joined by John Hamm. He's a native St. Louisan. He's a Blues super fan. And oh, by the way, he also happens to be an actor and a producer. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. All right, John. Yeah, I'm from Canada, and I married a St. Louis girl. I now live in St. Louis, so I've got to do this. And I know you've talked about it before, but i got to do this. What high school did you go to? <laughs> well, at least you're learning your proper St. Louis and stuff. <laughs> I, went to, uh, I went to John Burroughs High School, but I grew up in North County, so I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of an odd duck. Like, I'm, a, I'm one of these weirdos that you can't quite tell. I'm not from Ladue or Clayton or any of that. I'm from uh, Normandy uh, on, the, on the north side of town. Okay, so that's interesting because my wife last night, she was like, well, don't tell him where I went to high school at first. You know, let's see what he does. And I, my wife was a Rittner girl. There you go. Yeah, there so you, go. You, you talk about North County. We got she, so she went to Rittner until her senior year, and then transferred out to Francis Howell. Her parents had moved out there, but yeah. So uh, yeah, you guys have a, a little bit in common. The Rittner Huskies, am I correct? Yeah, you got that right, buddy. You got that right. Now, right. while you're in uh, while you're in quarantine here, 
What uh, what is a day in the life of John Ham consist of? Do you have any current projects you're working on, or has it just been kind of status quo until you get more going on? I mean, I would imagine, like like most of us, it's the days kind of tend to blend together. Uh, I've got you know I, I I'm reading reading stuff and reading scripts and reading you know uh, uh, possible projects, but there's nothing you know nothing shooting because nothing's happening. So I was just about to start a movie, in fact, uh, right before it all happened. Um, uh, my birthday was March 10th, and then I think we all went into lockdown. I went to the Blues game, weirdly enough, on March 11th in, uh, in Anaheim, uh, and it was right, it was like the day before the whole thing shut down. And, uh, and I was meant to start a film, start shooting a film on April 28th or whatever in Detroit. And that didn't happen, uh, obviously. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's just it's we're all on pause, you know. It's, everybody's calling it a like pause, but it's uh, you know you're trying to fill your days with some uh, creative stuff. I went on a hike the other day, you know, played some tennis, and uh, you know anything anything to do to get outside. Fortunately, it's L.A., so it's like it's pretty comfortable outside and nice. We're talking with John Hamm. He is the uh, actor and producer and, of course, blues superfan here on Riz and BK on 101 ESPN. John, I'm curious. You're talking about the scripts that you're going through right now. Is there ever a role that you really wanted that you ended up missing out on that you look back on? Like, damn, if I just could have had that role, that would have been the one for me. Um, I mean, there's always, there's always, you know, obviously disappointments, but um, I don't think I can ever really look back on one thing and say like, oh, I should have, that should have been me or I, I should have had that because there's so many factors that go into it. You know, there's, there's, there's a million different, different people that have to weigh in on who's getting cast as what. I mean, honestly, the only one that I really, really felt, oh, this is my part. I better get this uh, was Don Draper. I mean, that was, that was the only one I really felt this is mine. I, I, I have to, I got to play this guy. Now, John, uh, this time of year, we're missing sports in general. We're missing everything, right? Like, let's be honest here. It's kind of Groundhog Day over and over and over again. But right now, we're missing our Blues hockey. It'd be playoff time for the Blues. And we all know that it was a pretty incredible spring last year. But apart from the championship and the parade, what is one of your biggest and best memories from the actual playoff run last year? Well, I'll tell you much how, how much I, I miss sports. Last night I watched uh, a baseball game from 1978 <laughs> and a baseball game from 1995. <laughs> Neither of which were the Cardinals. One was the one was the Dodgers Phillies game, and one was the uh, uh, Indians Orioles game. I mean, this is this is where we're at. I'm telling you, you're Jonesing. <laughs> It was it was something on the MLB network called Walk Off Wednesday, and I was like, "All right, I'm in. <laughs> it sounds good to me. Let's walk it off." Um, what's my best blues memory? Eh, just something oh, that man. comes to mind. Just the run itself, you know. You know? The run was amazing. Obviously, like I, I can remember sitting back. I'm sure everybody has a version of this. Sitting back at some point in December, or January of last year, and thinking. This team's too good to have this kind of have this kind of record. Like we got too much talent on this team to be to be to have to have this be the, the what it looks like. And it's and it's one of those things. Like I've been watching hockey. You guys have been around the sport obviously your whole lives. 
I, but I've been watching hockey for a long time, and it's it's one of those things where you go, all right, well, a couple bad bounces and this and that, and and, and that, but that stuff evens itself out. And you think, well, maybe they've just been on the wrong side of the coin for for, for too long, and it's going to start evening itself out. And it really did. And then and then you saw you saw uh, you know when you, when you get Bennington in there, and 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 the kids got a got a hot hand and that just sparks the whole rest of the team. And that was the one thing that was the one thing they needed. You know, Baruby is, is a, is an amazing coach that they all, they all believed in. And, and that, that kind of, uh, unity of belief was, was what they needed. They needed the spark and they needed the, the belief in themselves. And then it was, then it was like Katie bar the door basically, because, because they couldn't be stopped. Now, as the uh, as the run goes on, obviously you're in town a little more. You're watching the games. You're hanging up with Wayne. You're hanging out with Wayne Gretzky. You know, you're becoming quite the fixture. You get to know the players. You're actually going through this with the fans and the players. You're on both sides of the ball for this one. But I wanted to ask you about the parade because you guys were right behind uh, right behind us alumni in the parade. And I was freaking out because I couldn't believe the amount of people that showed up for that parade. And I just want to get your feelings on what that experience was like for you being, you know, a part of the run with everybody, but also being a fan of this team. Well, it was pretty cool. I mean, Chaser invited me to come with him and uh, Dino and, and Jeff and a couple guys, a couple other guys, alumni guys. And who was I to say no? I mean, I, I was very pleased to be asked. I mean, I, I recognize, you know, I'm obviously not a part of the team, but 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 a part of the fan base. And and um, I, I really, I, I was the same way. I was just kind of looking around, and and I I couldn't get over how many people were there. And the other thing, and I was just talking with uh, with Patty Maroon about this the other day, that I really couldn't get over was just how happy everybody was. It wasn't. You know, there was there wasn't a, a, a sour face in the group, and I mean, obviously, it's a championship parade. It's, people are going to be happy, but but the the overwhelming spirit of the city and the town and all faces represented. Everybody was was Jonesing, and it was um, it was exciting and it was fun. And then when we got down to the arch and, and under the arch and like turned around and looked back, and I was just like, holy cow, like there's, <laughs> there's gotta be 200,000 people here. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And it's just as far as I can see. And you know, it was, it was a, it was just a great day. It was a great day. It didn't rain. It wasn't too hot. Everything about it was great. And, um, and I just really, I really thought that, uh, that it was kind of one of those things that, St. Louis said, you know, we have our share of, of good luck with the Cardinals runs every now and again, and and that's nice. But this was something entirely different and entirely unexpected and, and so welcome, I think, by all the fans. We're talking with John Hamm here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Now, John, with you being out in L.A., I'm curious, when you're watching the games on television and you're watching the Blues and you're sitting back and you're relaxing, how how does John Ham take in these games? Are you the guy that's yelling shoot it? Are you the guy that's reserved? Are you pacing? What's what's the go to for John Ham as you're watching the game back in L.A.? Well, I usually have to watch them on my computer. So fortunately, I get to uh, usually watch the the home broadcast um, if it's not on uh, the national broadcast. So 
that's that's always the best for me. So I can hear, uh, you know, John Kelly, and, and it sounds, you know, it sounds like I'm at home, and that's that just makes me feel better. Um, but uh, no, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty mellow. Usually I'm I'll I'll be texting with with somebody, you know, whether it's uh, Panger or, or you know anybody. I'll just I'll be I'll. I'll have a little bit of a running commentary on the game and how the boys are playing, but but man, they were they were, they were playing so good up until this break. It was a real shame that uh, to have to go on pause like that. Now, John, there's a there's a pretty good story uh, that you have regarding Game Seven when the Blues were playing the Bruins in Game Seven. I believe you were on set or working at that exact moment. Correct. I was working in Canada. In fact, I was up in Vancouver, and uh, I. I was shooting a commercial for a Canadian company called Skip the Dishes, uh, and they're uh, they're basically like Postmates for for Canada. They they, they bring you your food, and um, and so I, I booked this job, you know, months and months before, and so I you know there was no way of knowing that this would be Game Seven of the thing, and and I so I I I was there, you know, and I was just shooting, and fortunately I was in Vancouver, Canada, and Vancouver has a healthy dislike of Boston sports teams. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and, uh, and so they were more than ha- happy to accommodate me with, uh, with a, with a TV and, and turn it on, but I was too nervous to watch it. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't bring myself to, to, to watch it in real time. Uh, I watched about two minutes of the first period and saw the way it was going and thought, Oh, this is going to be bad. And then I had to go, go to work and then the the first the first um, the first AD the assistant director on the on the on the uh, sh- on the shoot on the commercial Canadian guy hockey fan says do you want to, do you want me to tell you or do you want me to not tell you and I said just you know give me the updates and he goes and he hold just holds up one finger and he goes okay and I went what does that mean he goes you're up one. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I freaked out. I was like, oh, my God, we scored? Like, we looked so bad the first couple of minutes of that game. And and then uh, and then he rolls back in about three minutes later, and he, and he holds up two fingers. And I went, come on. He goes, two nothing. First intermission. And I went, okay, now I think I'm a little more okay with it. And I, wa- I went back to my trailer, and I watched the highlights of the first period, and I thought, I saw how Bennington was playing, and I said, okay, this kid's locked in. We're not losing and and then I then I saw how we our offense you know the, the skaters started started playing our game and really just locking them down on the forecheck and I was like there's no way we're not gonna lose and that was true. Well, I'll tell you what it was certainly a season uh, a dream season and now I texted you last night said that we were going to have some fun on this and everybody talks about oh this is a movie in fact uh, Hollywood wouldn't even write this movie because it's not believable the way the Blues went from last place to Stanley Cup champion. So we're going to have a little fun here with you. And uh, I want to have your expertise join us in casting the Blues movie. Now we won't actually go through every guy, but we'll hit some of the main characters. And the first one I think we got to talk about is who in your mind would play Craig Berube? (laughs) Oh, man. That's a good question because you need somebody that's that's like that stoic, uh, commanding, uh, and also kind of terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I've met I've met Chief a couple times in person, and 
have been introduced, you know, like, hey, this is John Hamm, and he just gives you a look, and you're like, I, okay, I should go. I, I don't know why I'm here. I'm, I'm in the wrong place. I'm so sorry to take up your time. And I've also met him on other occasions where he's been, you know, so for happy and, and, and whatever. And it's just like, I, I, I've seen both sides of that guy. I don't know. You know, it's weird. The, I don't know. God, the first, the first guy weirdly that pops into my head is, uh, is, um, Oh God! What's it? Is, is Christopher Walken? Oh my gosh! Oh my God! You might get punched in the face for that next time you see him. <laughs> because Chris, Chris Walken has the same kind of thing. I've not the same. I've met Chris Walken too, and it's the same kind of thing where you, you look at him, and sometimes you're like, "You gonna are you gonna punch me in the neck, or are you gonna like uh, shake my hand?" I'm not really sure what you do. <laughs> All right, so we got Christopher Walken. I'll give you two more here. Uh, but by the way, how how that by the, that that'd be a pretty funny, pretty funny uh, you know speech in the locker room. Anyway, oh, can you imagine that speech from Christopher Walken? I wish It'd be I, tremendous. I wish I could do an impersonation, but I would actually just sound like I'm having a seizure or something. <laughs> Fellas, wow, with skating, it's great. You're going fast in circles. It's gonna be great. <laughs> That was good, buddy. I like that one. All right, a couple more here before we we let you go. How about Jordan Bennington? Who do you see in Hollywood that can play Jordan Bennington? I think it's the perfect casting because they already have beef. Oh. I think you gotta hire you gotta hire Bieber. There you go. I think that's you know he he's got the he's got the swagger. Uh, he can apparently skate. He's Canadian. I think he's from Ontario, isn't he? Yeah, he's from the Toronto area. There you go. It's tailor-made. There you go. Okay. How about Ryan O'Reilly? This is a tough one. This is the manly man here, you know? See, with R.O., I guess you got to go, like, uh, uh, somebody, yeah, like, you got to go with, like, the grizzly bear guy. I would probably have to say it's got to be me. Oh, here we go. <laughs> We're getting John Hamm in the movie. I feel better about I, things. I can already. I mean, I'm a little older than than O'Reilly, but uh, I, I can uh, I can imagine uh, you know he'd be okay with it. I, at least I got the beard. I just have to lose a tooth or two. <laughs> we can uh, help you. You know, I can do that in post. <laughs> Might have to color the hair a little bit there too, John. A little bit, yeah, fine, whatever. That's what helmets are for, man. <laughs> exactly. All right, last one on this one. Alex Petrangelo. Who's our Hollywood match for Alex Petrangelo? Oh, that's a tricky one because I already, you know, I already ruined myself. I mean, used myself on uh, <laughs> O'Reilly. Um, but Petro, you know, Petro's a handsome guy. He's a captain. He's the leader. I think we go with, like, 1995 George Clooney. Okay, I like that. I was thinking Jake Gyllenhaal. A little oh, bit. That's not bad either. That's yeah, a pretty I, good like, one. I like that one. Yeah, that's a, that's, you that's, like that's that one? way better. Yeah, and Gyllenhaal's better. done some athletic movies too, so he'd be into the whole sports scene of it as well. There we go. I like All that. Right. I like that. But that's okay. Uh, I, I I know him. I'll give him a holler. There we go. All right. So we got you on board. We've got him on board. Now, can I at least be the stick boy at least in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> of course, man. John, you said you're buddies with Pat Maroon. I feel like we've got to at least cast somebody yeah, the as the hometown rig. hero. You've got to have somebody at the end of it win it for the Blues. 
I think Patty would play himself. I think there's no way. He, if, if there was a if there was a movie going on, Patty would want to be a part of it. There's no, you know, I I, I got that feeling knowing him as much as I do. That's a great that's a great point by you. So, all right. Well, look, we've got our cast. We got our beginning here. Now we just got to go find some funding behind this, which. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll rely upon you. You've got more connections than me. Uh, if you need me to close a deal, though, Hammer, I'm there for you, okay? You got it. <laughs> hey, buddy, I really want to thank you a lot for joining us today. This was a lot of fun. Uh, we wish you well on your next projects, and we wish you well and to stay healthy. And, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Back here in the Lou, buddy. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me and reaching out. Um, it, yeah, like I said, it's it's uh, the days tend to blend into blend into one another uh on these kinds of in this in this situation and anything we can do to to make a to make a little you know have a little fun or or, or do something uh creative or anything is is certainly welcome so i appreciate it and and of course i love uh talking back about the hometown and the hometown heroes that we're talking about but uh i will uh you know i've, I've also been doing a lot of a lot of work with a, a lot of the frontline uh first first um responders and frontline workers from st louis as well so that's they're the they're the real hometown heroes at this point because uh they're, they're dealing with this nonsense in a way that we we certainly can't understand so big shout out to them a big shout out to you guys and and thank you so much for having me and um, a big shout out to st louis and we'll all get through this stronger john last quote last thing for you before we get you out of here is there any restaurant in particular that you're looking forward to going to in st louis whenever these things open back up again i tell you uh, a friend of mine um, started a little restaurant down in South City called Union Loafers, and they make some of the best bread, sandwiches, uh, pizzas that you ever had in your life. And uh, um, I'll give that one a wholehearted endorsement. Um, Teddy Wilson, he's he's uh, my buddy Jimmy Wilson's little brother, um, runs the place. And uh, uh, I tell you, if you if you uh, to John Ham guarantee, if you don't like if you don't like that place then uh, I'll, I'll pay for your food. Give <laughs> 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 yourself buddy. in a little Careful. bit deep there, John. John Hamm joined <laughs> us here get, on Ribs and Big I'm going to get a pretty long, a pretty long bill. <laughs> no, they wouldn't mess anything up. John, you're the best, man. We appreciate you hopping on with us today. Thanks so much for the time. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. That's John Hamm joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was fantastic. Going back through that, it made me want to relive the Blues run to the Cup. And you can do exactly that right here on 101 yes, ESPN with Play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the Cup. Tonight, you will hear Blues versus Sharks Game 5 with added insight and behind-the-scenes commentary from Chris Kerber, Joey Vitale, and our own Alex Ferrario. Friday night, tomorrow night, you'll hear Blues versus Sharks game number six. Pre-game starts at six, play-by-play at seven. It's Play Gloria, the St. Louis Blues run to the cup, and it is brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. We went long there, so we're going to get Joey Vitale's reaction to the casting that we just heard from John Hamm for the Blues movie. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. If you missed any of our conversation with John Hamm, you can check it out on the podcast page on 101ESPN.com. But now we're going back out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Joey Vitale, the Blues analyst for 101 ESPN. You can hear him each and every Tuesday night from 6 to 7 on This Week in Hockey. Joey, what's good, my man? How you doing? 
What's up, boys? Hey, I tell you what, uh, I'm doing good. I actually heard the last set I'm driving down the road here, and it's funny about that game because my wife was with me, and she had the honor of getting a picture with John Hamm. She kept bugging me, like, Joe, get the camera. I'm going to get a picture with John Hamm. I'm like, honey, I got all these kids. Like, I'm trying to get on stage. I got, I got cars. I'm trying not to hit my screen. All you care about is John Hamm's picture. And then even after I took the picture, She's like, you send me that picture? How do I look? I go, you look great. He looked great. Well, can you send it to me? I go, yeah, honey, I'll send it to you. Give me a freaking minute. But uh, my wife was excited to see him that day. That's for sure. <laughs> I bet she was, Joey. I bet she was. Now, not a tough act to follow, right? I mean, we have John Hammond. Now you got to come. You're in the on-deck circle waiting to come out here. Not a bad not a bad guy to follow. Did you know I hit 12 today? And you guys kept saying, well, and then I... Well, Joey, if you had a phone that worked, we could have had you at noon, potentially. We could get but, you a flip phone sponsor, probably. <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't. So we're going to try to have Alex reconnect with Joey Vitale to see if we can get him on a line that uh, maybe, you know, is is functioning at this point. Um, I want to get him to react to what we just had from John Hamm of the casting for the potential Blues playoff mm-hmm. run and who we would have for each player. We had... Baruby, Bennington, Ryan O'Reilly, Petrangelo, and Pat Maroon were the guys that we had mentioned as potential castings. Um, Baruby, I think, was the one that he struggled with the most. Christopher Wal- Christopher Walken as Baruby, I just don't see it. So have we got Joey back here? Joey, you got us, bud? Yeah, listen, you guys hung up on me. Hey, I've been hung up on two before, but the last time it was a girl from grade school, but... I'm okay. I'm well, fine did, now. Did you borrow your wife's phone? Because the last one you were on sounded like you're still on your 1987 flip phone, you know? <laughs> My Nokia flip flop. Yeah, yeah. You got no. the, yeah. Maybe you broke no. the antenna off it or something. I'm in, I'm in a little bit of boonies here. I'm taking a little roadie today. But, uh, so I apologize. I found some high ground. It's what you do when you need service. It's what you need to do when you go flood. You find high ground. So that's what I did. All right, Joey, we were just talking before we lost you for whatever reason. I think you still hung up on us. But anyways, um, we talked to John Hamm about a casting a movie about the St. Louis Blues last year. Uh-huh. And we yep. gave him a few players here. Um, but his first one I gave him, I said, who do you cast as Craig Berube? Now, honestly, I thought he was going to say himself, you know, because that's a lead role. That's a You need a strong actor for that. No, he went off the board. Did you hear who he picked? You listen, I heard Christopher Walken. That, that, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love John Hill, but come on, buddy. Yeah. A, first of all, let's just be honest. It's a bad pick. I love you, Jenna. <laughs> it's a bad. You made a bad decision. We all make bad decisions. Christopher Walken. I, I just think of him as the uh, the wedding the wedding crashers grandpa. Like you know, he's got a couple lines. Craig Burby, you need someone tough. You need someone with that rugged jawline. The first thing that came to my head, guys, I don't know about you, was how about like Daniel Day-Lewis from like Last of the Mohegan style, you know what I mean? You know who just came into my head on this one? What about Sylvester Stallone? Oh, yeah, but you know, he's old as dirt right now. Yeah, but no, he's still I mean, Hollywood could pull it off to have Sly Stallone. He's got that eye of the tiger, right? Like Chief. Yeah. I yeah, know. I think that could be a good one. I just keep thinking Daniel Day-Lewis from the Mohegans where he's, like, basically killing everyone in the village. And then the guy in the New York gangs in New York where he's just, like, ripping up cows and people. And to me, that's that just – I know Craig Ruby doesn't rip up cows and people, but <laughs> metaphorically – Well, he used I to think, rip up people. 
Yeah, he did. I think from a mental standpoint, like you ever look into his eyes, you know, it's like it's like the first time you hear the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like I'm staring into the eyes of a shark. Like it, it, like I have no idea when he's gonna just rip don't, me in half. Don't move. Play dead. Yeah. Play dead. He'll probably just swim on by. Yeah. <laughs> Joey, who would you have as Jordan Bennington? This is a tough one because you need someone kind of quiet but definitely got some confidence. I, I don't know why. So, listen, I, I look for physical features. What's what's the most dominant physical feature of this person? And then I try to match up the Hollywood. So, Craig Ruby is like the jawline. That's why I went to Daniel Day-Lewis. Jordan Bennington, love the kid. You know, he's got a he's got a good size schnoz on him. So, I'm thinking, I don't know the guy, I don't know the actor's name. Remember the actor who played the pianist, that the, the, the piano player during, like, World War II? Oh, he you said like pianist. The, <laughs> yeah, we got to be yeah. careful here. You know what? It, the, the, yeah, my uh, service is a little spotty. I hope that came off right. <laughs> it did. The, the pianist, the guy that plays the piano, he won, like, a, he won a Best Actor Award for. He's tall and, you know, rather good than those. Adrian uh, good Brody. <laughs> Adrian Brody. That's who would play for it is. I like that. I like that pick a lot. So, okay, so we got Adrian Brody, and we've got Daniel Day-Lewis. Now, uh, where did we go after that? Ryan Ryan O'Reilly. We went to Ryan O'Reilly, and this was interesting because John Hamm, he must have a man crush or something because when we went to Ryan O'Reilly, he was like, oh, I'm going to play Ryan (laughs) O'Reilly. He's like, we need a tough, rugged guy. He goes, I'm going to be that guy. I can grow a beard. I don't know. What's your pick for Ryan O'Reilly? If my wife has a thing for John Hamm, I have a thing for Ryan O'Reilly. It's okay. We we can admit it, guys. It, it's okay. It's, it's not a big deal. Like I kind of have a man crush on O'Reilly because of what he is. I mean, he's awesome. He's got great style. He's a good hockey player. He's got that awesome beard. Uh, he wears shoes with no shoelaces. His pants are like 18 sizes too tight. And he wears Carhartt wear a construction hat, and he pulls it off. For me, I think you look at the whole package there, not, you know, not his, but the whole everything. <laughs> well, how about Tweeter? How about who's that Tweeter from Varsity Blues? What's his name? Oh, yeah, the, the Tweeter. He was in, uh, he was also in Ocean's Eleven. He was like one of the Hawaii guys. Hawaii Five O. Hawaii Five O. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. He's got the body, and I think he can grow a beard. He's got the chest and hair. He's got the chest hair and the build. Yeah. And Scott Cannon. Yes. Scott can't. Yeah, John. Yeah, it's his actually dad was James Conn's son. So Scott Conn. Yeah, Con. yeah, Scott James Conn's his dad. Not a big deal. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would go with Tweeter from Varsity Blues. All right. Now, as we move on, Alex Petrangelo. Now, our pick together, Hammer Time and myself got together on this one. We agreed that we thought Jake Gyllenhaal would be a good Alex Petrangelo. Jake Gyllenhaal, you know what, from a lookalike standpoint, I think there's not an actor in Hollywood, Petrangelo looks more like than Jake Gyllenhaal. So I think from a, a physical standpoint, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think, can Jake Gyllenhaal raise the cup with the believability? Well, like, we, it, it would be a up. prop, though. It would be a prop. We don't have to give him a 35-pound cup. It could be plastic. It's Hollywood. I know, but if I'm, if I'm just saying, you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I hear what you're saying, but if I'm the casting director, which you clearly have put me in this position, I have. Well, I believe Jake Gyllenhaal when he lifts that. Did cup you back. see Jake Gyllenhaal in Southpaw? Oh yeah. Hey, you know what? He was a good flick. Hey, he was. Yeah. And he ripped, ah, shredded in that one. So I, I think I if you gave him time, he could he could prepare for it in a way that would make it very very believable. I know, but listen, this is the thing, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal 
for you. Saint Dillon, Jake Gyllenhaal was the same. Um, he he was a guy from Zodiac, though, too. That kind of weird serial killer movie where he was like this nerdy reporter. I don't know. To me, I always felt like Ryan Gosling. I think Ryan Gosling pulled off. Uh, he's a little too baby face for me, but you know what? You're the casting director, Joey. We're going to give you carte blanche. So now that's your pick. You got uh, you guys writing that down? Yeah, sure I, we are. I just want I just want to see Ryan Gosling more. I think, <laughs> I think there we go. All right, Gosling. now we got to the root of it all. All right, last yeah, Ryan Gosling playing Alex Smith in the Alex Smith movie. That's who Ryan oh, Gosling that, is playing. Yeah, they're like legitimate yeah. lookalikes. They are. It's, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Feminine pick, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> We're finding out a lot about our guest, Joy Vitale, here, who joins us on Rivs and BK. Big fan of people that can play the piano. All right. <laughs> Last one we got here, and uh, this one here, it didn't take our buddy John a lot of time to, to get to this one, but hometown hero, Pat Maroon. Now, who, Ooh, yeah. who, would, you got, who would you cast for that one? Well, I mean, you got to... Listen, again, I'm sitting in a cast directing chair. First thing I think of is... Patty's a good sized boy. He's, uh, he's <laughs> born and bred in South County. He lived, you know, he's raised on uh, Bartolino's posted ravioli, just like me. So I'm gonna go with Jonah Hill. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit <laughs> Jonah Hill down. Hasn't Jonah Hill lost a bunch of weight though? He goes up and down. I'm gonna say Jonah, That's a fair that point. weight you lost, put it back on, and then you put that weight back on again for the 18th time in your career. And I need you to say to me. I may be chubby, but I can be effective. Say it. And if he's in the good, he's got the role. So we're talking about, like, Moneyball Jonah Hill. Yeah, Moneyball Jonah Hill. And and also Wolf of Wall Street Jonah Hill, but not not the other two Jonah Hill movies, but between those. I've never seen an actor fluctuate weight like he does. I, I need to know his secret. <laughs> All right, if you're joining us here on Ribs and BK, we're talking to Joy Vitale, who's the color analyst for the St. Louis Blues Radio here on 101 ESPN and we're going through our list, our casting list after we met with John Hamm that you can pull up that interview too on the podcast later on today and we're finishing up the list as we go here. The one last thing that came up and I gotta get, this is like I need a ruling from all of you guys is somebody text in and I the, the problem is, is I don't hate this pick and I feel guilty that I don't hate it so that's why we need a ruling, guys. Steven Seagal as chief. Oh, that's not bad. Pretty that's good. not bad. Oh, he's the guy with the ponytail, right? Did all those ninja movies? Yeah, he doesn't have the ponytail anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> those ninja oh, movies. Man. But he's got that Dude. look, you know? <laughs> he was an intimidating fella. He had that, like, uh, dark uh, skin with yeah. the slick back, black hair. And I always wanted to grow out a ponytail, but I had like this <laughs> do-fro thing always going on in my life. Yeah, he was, he could be, yeah, because I think he kind of talks like Craig. That's, that's a good one. I like that. Steven Seagal's a good one. Text line never fails that's us. That's a really good one. They're never wrong about anything, and that's a really good one. We're talking with Joey Vitale, Blues Analyst for 101 ESPN. All right, Joey, final thing that I wanted to get to you here. Uh, we were going to talk about this in the last segment. You know, John Hamm happened. Uh, there are apparently millions of cicadas, millions, about yep. to emerge in parts of the country after spending oh, the last yeah. 17 years underground. They say that as many as 1.5 million per acre are going to surface in Virginia, North Carolina, and West Virginia, according to Virginia Tech. Sounds fun. Is it time to just pull the plug on 2020, jo Joey Vitale? No. Actually, no. I'm, I'm going to say it's the complete opposite. What? It's time to get excited, people. Listen, 
I was, I don't remember how old I was when they last came out. I'm going to tell all the kids out there, all you kids that are bored during this quarantine, do yourself a favor, go get a mask and a tennis racket. I swear to God, when I was like in high school, this thing happened and these bugs were flying <laughs> everywhere. We got our tennis racket. I'm not making this up. We, it was like a crushing rally. My driveway was a cicada cemetery. And our neighbors were like, those Vitaly kids, or something's all those Vitaly kids. Like the parents dropped them when they were kids. My dad would go underneath the tree and just shake. And these things were like, you know that movie, The Mummy, where all these bugs are brawling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what it was like. We were just like, quack, 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 quack. We were like, they're keeping score, just smoking these cicadas. And I'm telling you right now, Quarantine's about to end very quickly, fellas. It's going to be awesome. So you said that we need a mask. We've got those right now. We Everybody's good to go Maybe on some the protective masks. eyewear too. I'm sure that people could figure that out. Um, and then we just need a fly swatter, basically, go out oh, into the driveway. Racket. You want tennis to get racket? a lot of them. Good yeah, point. Uh, yeah, d- definitely. I would like, like Briggs just said, you want some eye cover. That, so I used my paintball mask back in the day when I had a paintball mask. There you and go. So it was, it was a black mask and covered your face. Because you don't want bugs flying in your mouth, obviously, or, or your eyeballs. you got to have a clear sight of vision. And you just got to have one brave kid in the neighborhood go up and shake a tree. And these things will flood you. It is like the most. And they don't bite you. They don't hurt you. So it's like, I tell you what, I don't know. It's just awesome. I feel like we should do that again, Joey. I think we should we should get that on video. You and me. That you would be a lot me. of fun. I'll shake the tree. You start swinging, and I'll back clean up behind you. I'll take the video from hundreds of feet, to, feet away. How about, how about that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've heard about these things. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people who fish are going to be excited. These are actually a good bait. You, you can oh, throw yeah. them on top of the water, a little top water. There's no I'm talking about. Kind of like oh, a cricket. Yeah. Just chuck those bad boys up there. Maybe a little, like, six-inch leader on them. Just... Have at it, big boy. You're gonna get some catch some good largemouth bass on that one. Joey, I look forward to this conversation each and every week. I never know where it's gonna go, but I always enjoy it whenever we finish. Thanks so much for hopping on with us, buddy. This was really productive, guys. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> go get a new phone, buddy. Okay, hi. That's Joey Vitale, the blues analyst for 101 ESPN. I don't know what we accomplished there. I don't know, but it was great. But we I enjoyed just accomplished it. a hell of a cast list from at least two people. Did. We're going to finish it up this hour with the junk drawer next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time to open up the junk drawer with Ribs and BK. Brought to you by GFI Digital. People driven. Technology focused. Former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go inside the junk drawer to start things off today. Jamie, what you got for me, my man? Well, I'll tell you what. What I have for you today as I pull it up, because, of course, my head is still in the clouds from uh, the casting that we just did with both Joey and John Hamm. Uh, so Dennis Rodman. In the 98 playoffs, and I think you guys, what did you think of how hard he played against Carl Malone? I mean, he fought his ass off. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, so did you think that they had a lot of intensity? Sure, yeah, of course. Remember the one that jumps out for me is like they're wrestling on the court and they're stumbling over right. each other and grabbing each other. Okay, well... It turns out that that may have been a bit of an act from Dennis Rodman. 
Eric Bischoff, who is the former WCW president, and we know Rodman left the final series, missed practice to go do a wrestling gig with NWO and Hulk Hogan and all that stuff, right? Well, he says, well, did he? Did we tell him to get involved with Carl Malone to start something, you know, so they could carry it over to the wrestling ring? We may or may not have said it would probably help. And guess what, guys? Guess who Dennis Rodman fought afterwards in the WC, uh, WCW? He fought Carl Malone. Interesting. Yes. So Bischoff admits that he encouraged Rodman to mix it up with Malone, but in no way would that affect the outcome of the game. Interesting. Are you buying it, or is this more mythology building? I'm, I'm not buying it. I think what I'm, what's happening here is Eric Bischoff in WCW are trying to become relevant again. Yeah. And I think that they're using this as a platform to say, hey, oh yeah, well we had, we were in on the NBA Finals because we had Dennis Rodman. So yeah. I don't believe it. Rodman would have been in those skirmishes no matter what with everybody on the court, including fans and teammates and ushers and hot dog vendors. That's just the way the worm was. So, But nonetheless, an interesting piece uh, suggesting that it was kind of a ruse in order to sell Carl Malone versus Dennis Rodman. I like the idea of it, and it's certainly, if it was anybody else, I wouldn't believe it, but with Dennis Rodman, at least there's something like that. Could it have been Reasonable doubt. I'm still not buying it, but it is certainly believable. All right, Jamie, this normally wouldn't be a piece of news that is thrown into the junk drawer, but because of the way this show's going today, here we are. NFL clubs today received an updated playing rules change proposal. This comes from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. He says, the most interesting one is an alternative to the onside kick that would allow a team to take a chance to maintain possession by going for it on 4th and 15 from their own 25-yard line. And according to Tom Pelissero, there is actual support that is growing for this idea. This might sound familiar to those of you that remember watching the XFL. Mm -hmm. There was the option in the XFL of going for 4th and 15 from your own 25-yard line instead of kicking off. Now, in the XFL, of course, the kickoffs were all switched up, but this was one of their potential rules that they had. The XFL might be defunct at the moment. We'll see what happens with that, but it is still making an impact on the NFL I will say this. If I'm a team that has a franchise quarterback, like a legitimate, a star franchise quarterback, I'm all in on this proposal. Okay, so explain it to me again, because I I was listening and I was trying to envision it in my head, but I got lost in it somewhere. So So instead of... Instead of an onside kick... Right? So if you want to get the ball back, the onside kick. All right. Instead of doing that, they're getting rid of the onside kick potentially. Okay. You have fourth and 15 from your own 25-yard line. If you get it, if you convert on that fourth and 15, you're a ball first and 10 from there, wherever you end up getting it. If you don't convert on that fourth and 15 try, the other team would then get the ball from wherever the ball was. If you have an incomplete pass, they get it from your own 25-yard line going into their end zone. Okay. I love this. I'm in. I'm all in. I think it's a great idea. I loved it when the XFL passed it. And again, if you're an NFL team that has a quarterback, like let's say you're a fan of the Chiefs, for instance, and you've got Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and McCall Hardman. Oh boy, fourth and 15 is nothing for you. That could be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Well, too, also, if you have a guy like Bill Belichick as your coach, where you know that part of his package is going to be 
are fourth and 15. Yep. And when we need to do this in a game and we need to roll it out, he's going to have a play. You know, all the great coaches, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, Sean McVay, they'll all have this fourth and 15 model that they'll be able to defer to. So I, I love it. I think it'd be exciting. Uh, the onside kick. The percentages are just so low on Especially that. Especially now that they've changed it, yeah. Yeah, you can't be in motion, right? Like, So it's like, eh, I would love to, uh, love, love, love to see that happen. Final thing to throw into the junk drawer for today, Jamie. This comes from ESPN. They have a new multi-part series called, quote, Man in the Arena, Tom Brady. And it's coming to ESPN in 2021. Tom Brady is unshackled. Tom Brady is about to give you all the Tom Brady content that Tom Brady has wanted to give you for the last 20 years, and he's going to do it in the next one or two years. This is going to be really interesting. Seeing the transformation of what Tom Brady is like outside of New England, the real, in my opinion, Tom Brady, outside of Bill Belichick's shadow, this is going to be a fascinating thing to see. I think we're going to find a different side of Tom Brady that we didn't know existed as recently as six months ago. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited for it. This I- must mean retirement, right? Like, retirement Tom Brady, then this video comes out. You think? You like, think? You think he would do this and then continue to play in the NFL? I do. Really? He did Tom versus Time, what, last year? And that was the yeah. Facebook show that yeah, yeah, he was yeah, yeah. doing. That it wasn't he's like done a, a couple thing. of things along the way here that, you know, they're not massive pieces, but he's done a few things. I can just see this being the mic drop moment for Tom Brady. Like, release all of the lies and the truths about Bill Belichick and the Patriots and Robert Kraft. You know, release the video of Robert Kraft in the massage parlor and then just mic drop walk off. This is a nine-part series. A nine-part series. This is going to be his GOAT moment. This is going to be his Michael Jordan last dance moment. I'm I'm surprised he's doing it this quickly. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little excited. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get that vibe from you, Jamie. Fangirl. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. This This is going to be pretty cool. I'm actually legitimately excited about this. If they dive into it and they do it the way it's supposed to be done and they don't have Horace Grant in there... Then I'm really excited for it. Maybe a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, Brady would never pretend to have the flu. Never. He's, no. He's far no, his too pizza s- guy deflated the ball. Yeah. And he also wouldn't spit on the pizza. No. He'd lick it. He'd have a TB12 pizza. It would be gluten-free for sure. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next... The NHL's plan seems to be coming together. We'll talk about it, what we like, what we dislike. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It sounds like it. I know they're going through a lot of things right now, but the, the return to play committee has met and spoken every single day throughout the weekend, uh, BK and Riz. It really does look like if, if they can get through this next uh, week or two and, and continue to, to make progression on that plan, we could see the players report sometime in June and uh, potentially see some hockey in July. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. That voice you just heard was Jeremy Rutherford joining us earlier this week on the show saying that he thinks there's momentum to return in July and that momentum has sustained itself over the last couple of days ESPN writing overnight the NHL and NHLPA are discussing a 24 team conference based playoff format for a potential restart of the season this summer the playoffs would be conference based and would remain bracketed replacing the divisional wildcard format that the league has used over the last six season 
the top four teams would already be receiving buys. So this would not be a situation like we talked about the other day where you're having the pool play beforehand with the round robin, and then depending on what those results are, that's what your ultimate seeding would be. They're saying now the top four teams in each conference would already be determined based on what they've done so far in the regular season. And then after that, there would be a best of five play-in series that would feature the seeds five through 12. What do you think about this, Jamie? Both the two hub cities, which is down from the four that we had heard previously, and the idea of the 2014 playoff that is based on these standings right now, having the top four seeds already locked in. I like it. You know, I've, I've said from the beginning that the, the the fewer areas that you have to quarantine or the fewer cities that you have your players getting in and out of, the better. That's just my opinion. No matter what anybody else thinks, you know, whatever, the doctors, I think if you can consolidate everybody into one small area, keep it quarantined, obviously making sure that there's testing going on here and you at least you have an idea of where guys are at. They're all together. It, the travel is eliminated because you're playing right. You're a bus ride to the rink and back. You have training facilities. You got everything available to you. I love the idea of the two hub cities. I think that's fantastic. And I, you know what? I was ice cold on the 24 team uh, playoff proposal about a week ago. I'm lukewarm on it now. It's winning me over a little bit just because I feel like we're getting closer. And if this is the the solution, if this is the end, the finish line for all this, then I'm all for it. Now, the interesting thing that I that I want to find out, and I saw a few different versions of this exact proposal or what they're talking about, is the top four teams in each conference they would get the buy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the biggest argument that the players have had is we don't want to sit there. While teams are playing, and then we have to play after that kind of coming in cold. Based upon what I've heard and seen from a few different people in the last 24 hours is now they're talking about the two top teams in each conference playing a best two out of three to determine who is the number one seed. So the top four teams would have their own secret little, not secret, their own little tournament going on to establish one and two in the conference therefore giving them games to play while the bottom tier are doing this play-in mode, and now everybody's played games. So now when you get to the first round, the official first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, nobody has that feeling like we haven't played yet. Except for the three and four seeds, right? Because <laughs> if you've got well, the top two seeds, that they would be playing each other for I'm the sorry. top one. Is it the top four that you're saying? Four, I'm saying a round robin to see who the top robin. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. No, yeah. that makes sense. I was just curious if it was the top two because you've got the four that are locked in right now. That makes sense. I'd be down for that. Um, for those curious, the St. Louis Blues would be the top seed in the Western Conference as it would stand today uh-huh. if they don't do what Jamie's talking about. Which and they should, and they'll probably steal it from us. The way that it would set up for them is they would play either the Flames or the Jets, the winner of that series, in the first round of the actual playoffs after that play-in series like between that. those two teams. And the way that it would set up for the other ones, it would be the Stars versus either the Oilers or the Blackhawks. It would be the Knights versus the Predators or the Coyotes. And it would be the Avalanche taking on the Canucks or the Wild. And that, again, is based upon their current standings if they don't decide to do that round robin for the top four. Yeah, and as I look at this, yeah, the round robin would be perfect because it goes back to my original point of playing the three games. You get three games in, they have to certainly have some way to 
pointed. You know, you get three points for a regulation win. You get two points for this. That way there you have a clear cut one, two, three, four. You're not sitting there going, okay, we have to play one more game, guys. That won't work. I think this, I think this scenario here, I like it. I think this is the best possible scenario they yeah. could have worked out. I like the fact that it's only two hub cities. I like the fact that they are keeping it within the Eastern and Western conferences. I think that's good because the history of the game, when you look back on this, it will look like your typical Stanley Cup final, right? You're going East versus West. You're not having these divisional rounds that are kind of all funky and they've got different teams from different geographical regions within mm-hmm. them. You're keeping it the way that it has been for years now. And you're ultimately going to have some of these rivalries that have emerged, right? Like Blues fans have been watching Colorado all year because they've known that's a team that we could see potentially in the Western Conference Finals. You've been watching the Golden Knights knowing this is a team that could be a real threat in the postseason. You've played against the Jets just last year Mm -hmm. in the postseason. That's going to be a fun series to watch between those two teams. So I think this makes a lot of sense for a historical perspective. I think it's the best way to make sure that you have the least amount of risk between these teams by only having the two hub cities instead of the four. I think this is the best possible scenario that they can play out. Now, I'd like to hear more about the round robin and how that's going to be played and how you would ultimately determine those things. That's the one thing that I would have questions about. Other than that, I love the plan. I think this is as good as you could have come up with for the NHL. And we're spitting out a lot of information here, so if it's hard to follow, shoot us a text, because we got one here from the 314 said, uh, and they ask, will the winners of the first round have an advantage after playing a series, or will they be tired? Well, what we're talking about, the the format that we're talking about, everybody will have played at that point. The so, same amount of games, Same too. amount of games, too. So, therefore, you won't have a team that's more exhausted than the other. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're all in the same situation here. So, you know, if they get the same amount of games to, under their belt, then I think that everybody's just fine. The thing about this thing, too, guys, is in, and I was the one that scoffed at the 24-team playoff because it just didn't make sense, but now with the round robin, it makes sense. This is going to be, I think, the more most anticipated postseason in a really long time for the NHL, and really in pro sports, because you have 24 teams, more than the 16, obviously, but you have 24 healthy teams. And 24 teams that you can make an argument for each one, could be a Stanley Cup champion, which really kind of leaves that book wide open and unwritten of what could happen, which, again, if NHL comes back before the NBA and before Major League Baseball and obviously before the NFL, all eyes are focused on that, which I think is huge. Six, no, sorry, go ahead. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show from the 314. Where would they play the Stanley Cup final? That's where I was headed. Now, I would imagine that one of these hub cities is going to be Vegas. We've heard it too often for it not to be at this point. Again, that's speculation by me, not reporting. But that would be my guess. There are also, and we've talked about this a number of times, there have been so many Canadian cities that have been rumored to be potential hub cities for the NHL. I would be very surprised if they don't have a Canadian city involved in this. So my guess would be, Jamie, and again, this is speculation, but my guess would be they'd have the Toronto or wherever it is in Canada, whichever Canadian city they decide upon, those teams would come to Vegas and you would probably host the Stanley Cup final in Vegas would be my guess because it's easier logistically than bringing it up to Canada. Yeah, in Vegas right now, let's be honest, they're hurt. Financially, the 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 whole Vegas thing is struggling. It's come to a, a, a halt. So, I can guarantee that with the facilities they have available there for everybody, they're going to make it the best possible stay for these teams. They've got accommodations everywhere, the the hotels and the food and all this stuff, and they have great facilities now in and around Vegas. Vegas has their 
T-Mobile rink. They have the practice rink. They also have in Henderson, Nevada, which they're uh, the the Golden Knights purchased San Antonio Rampage and moving them to Henderson, Nevada. So they've got facilities there that can support this kind of thing. Uh, another text here three one four. What what does round robin mean? Okay, so follow me on this one. All it means is that if you have four teams, each team will play each other once. Yeah, so like the Blues would play the Avalanche, Golden Knights, and the Stars in this circumstance. And the Avalanche would do the same. They would play the Blues, Golden Knights, and Stars. And whoever emerges with the most points would then be seated number one down to number four. Yeah, and you'd have to have specific criteria for that. That's why we were talking about you would get three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime or shootout win. That way there, you definitely you have clear-cut one, two, three, four. You don't have a tie. And if you did have a tie, the tiebreaker would probably go to goals for, goals against. It is 113. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. Jamie's laughing right now. What the text line do? Do they? Do they? Are they yelling at me again? <laughs> They're not yelling at you, but every now and then somebody throws one in here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> From the 808. For BK. Just wondering, um, what flavor is Mahomes' jock? Chicken. He, s- he attached his name to it. Chicken. Steve Clark. Steve Clark sounds fake. Coming up next. Chicken. You find a million dollars in the street. What comes next? That is a question that a family actually had to answer. We'll give you our answers next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. By the way, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, you can do exactly that. He is at Jamie Rivers 08. I am at BK Sports Talk. Alex is at Ferrario 101 ESPN. All right, Jamie. So I was listening to some radio yesterday in Kansas City, and suddenly they were talking about a story that I felt like you would certainly be able to give us some advice about. They were... (laughs) Trigger happy, sorry. You're good. They They were talking about a family that was driving down the road, driving down the road, and suddenly they see something. They pick it up, put it in their car. I will allow 98.1 FM to pick it up from there. A Virginia family out for a ride to get a change of scenery after being holed up due to the coronavirus found nearly a million dollars in two bags lying in the road. David and Emily Shantz left their Caroline County home with their children last Saturday, drove their pickup truck over what they thought was a bag of trash. They stopped, they picked it up, and another bag nearby. Threw them in the back of the pickup truck, kept going on. They got home, looked at what was in the bags, and that's where they discovered that there was cash in these bags. And it was a lot of cash. Uh, there were plastic baggies inside, and they were addressed with something that said cash vault, which would make you think maybe bank. They contacted the Caroline County Sheriff's Office, which sent deputies to the home. They determined it was about a million dollars in these two bags. So that's their situation. You're driving down the road. You find two bags. You run over one of them. You think it's trash. You're like, oh, we'll get this out of the middle of the street, right? You put it in the back. You got a pickup truck. Throw it in the back. You find that other bag. You throw it back there and throw these away whenever we get home. You get home, though, and you start taking it over to the trash can. And you're like, whoa, what is all that in there? And then you suddenly realize this is a large sum of cash. So their first inclination is I'm going to call the police because we've got to get them involved in this million dollars. 
That would not be what I would do in this situation. Jamie, what would be your first inclination when you find this million dollars? Okay, one, I'm not calling the cops. Okay? <laughs> if Hollywood has shown me anything, the cops might be in on it. Okay, so I'm not... I love you, our police officers, and I'm just joking about being in on it. But I'm not calling you guys if I find a million bucks. Because I'm going to feel at that point that, you know what? God wanted me to have this money. <laughs> That's why he presented it to me. And I'm going to take this. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to go home first. I'm going to check my surroundings. I'm going to close the blinds, get to a spot where I know is secure. I'm going to take one of these $100 bills out. I'm going to look at it and stare at it and check it for some authenticity. Then I'm going to take just that one, just that one $100 bill, and I'm going to go to our nearest bank. And I'm going to say, hey, I, I got this $100 bill. I just want to change. I want to break it down into some smaller uh, some smaller bills because I can't get this $100 bill. I can't spend it, you know? Nobody will take it. Then that'll tell me right there. If the bank takes the $100 bill, sure. guess what? It's real. Okay, now I know it's not a counterfeit $100 bill. Now I know it's real. Now I know I've got to go back home now and continue my plan. <laughs> so following that, my plan is we got to get this money into circulation. Okay, because I, I don't want all this money in my home. I want it into circulation. So if the casinos are up and running, okay, if they are, we're, are we pretending that casinos are up and running right now? Uh, yeah, let's imagine that they are. Okay. And casinos, by the way, they are up and running like very soon. I think it's like June 1st that they're going to be up and running. So, okay, so if it happens in the next week, you're good. Casinos are up and running. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to get my brother, my wife, and a bunch of people, and we're going to go separately to these casinos, and we're just going to buy chips. Hey, I'd like to you know get... 1,200 in chips, 5,000 in chips, and we're just going to make this a regular basis thing. We're not even really going to gamble. A couple things, and at the end of the day, we're going to cash Maybe out. put the, 100 bucks on black, see what happens. Whatever, right? But yeah. at the end of the night, we're going to take our chips, we're going to cash out. Now we're getting casino money back. So now we're that money's gone. It's, it's, it's in circulation. Somebody else has my $100 bill. I don't have to worry about them tracing it back to me. So now I'm getting the casino money. So we're basically, we're getting that money out there. We're circulating it throughout the casinos, wherever we are, getting that money back. We go home, and then we just put it all under our bed. So <laughs> the thing about a million dollars is it's really hard to spend a million dollars. No, I think that was, it showed me exactly that you maybe had this situation arise before. I've been praying for this situation. Uh, the difficult part about having a million, like if you've got 10 grand, right, that you find, you can find a way to slowly spend $10,000 over the course of a year. You could, you could make that work, right? Spending a million dollars is difficult in small quantities. Now, if you're doing like, I'm going to buy a house, yes, you could spend a million dollars quickly, right? If you're going to mm -hmm. buy a sports car, those sorts of things, these massive purchases. But you got to be careful because as soon as you put that money anywhere near a bank account, now it's traceable. That's and the problem. And most places don't let you show up and pay for your house in cash. They've got some questions for that's you. That's right. You they have that. some questions. So that's the whole thing about you're going to look, purchase some large items, get to the casino. It's going to take time. You're going to have to be patient. You've got to do it slowly. Yes. And so this is why the first call that I'm making is to my attorney. Saying, <laughs> is this call client attorney privileged? Is this only between the two of us no matter what? And once, you, once you've got that and you've got him signed on and everything, you've got him under retainer. Okay, now this is between the two of us. Hey, this is the situation. Mm -hmm. What do I do? They're probably going to tell you to go to the cops. Now you ask him for plan B. If I don't go to the cops, now what do I do? And you ask him what the worst case scenario is and all of these different things, right? You then ask them eventually, what if I just put this like under my bed? 
for the next decade. And I'm just continually using instead of I'm like adding this into my savings account, right? Or you're you're continually adding this it into would take circulation. You more than a decade. Sure. However long it is. I've got this as my rainy day fund or whatever, right? Kind of like in um what's that what's that TV show? There's always money in the banana stand, right? Arrested development. This is your banana stand. You've always got money out there in case of emergency, no matter what the circumstance is that arises. Yeah. That's my plan. I'm going the attorney route, making sure that my ass is covered just in case, and we're going that route. Hmm. Well, all right. But I'm doing small purchases. We have some funny texts small. here. 314. Uh, basically, Jamie is teaching everyone how to launder money. Yeah, the FBI is watching now. <laughs> Hope you uh, keep some of that money for, for some other day. From the 573. Rivers, FBI, online two for you <laughs> right about now. <laughs> 636, unless you can clean it, it's a lifetime supply of gas and groceries for you. Honestly, that doesn't sound so bad to so me. Bad. If I can just get out of, like... You're telling me that the household supplies that I've got, like my my next thousand trips to Costco are paid for. I no longer have to worry about ever paying for anything from Costco mm-hmm. ever again. That sounds fantastic to me. I can't imagine a better way to live life than to never have to buy any groceries, gas, or household items ever again. Your entire deodorant supply is now paid for, Jamie. You never have to buy razors ever again with your cash something? money. Well, Maybe. All right. I was trying okay. to say it subtly. Buddies but, uh, take care of each other. I'm all right with that. So we have now determined that we know how to spend a million dollars and get it clean. Now, the disclaimer on all this is you should take that money directly to the authorities the first time you touch it and, and or your local bank and get instructions on how to deal with it from there. Yeah, uh, that's that's what you should do, shouldn't you? Wink, wink. One quick story to pass along to you, Jamie. Sure. With Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Have you seen this story coming out of South Korea? Um, because this feels like something that Jamie Rivers would do. Oh, boy. A South Korean soccer team is currently in hot water after they use sex dolls in place of fans oh, in their yes. empty, empty stadium. The South Korean soccer club was fined $81,000 by the Korean professional football soccer league on Wednesday and for using the adult toys to fill seats during a spectator free game last weekend. It is the most that the Korean league has ever fined a team for anything. $81,000 or 100 million won uh, for using this sex doll in place of what they would have done as a mannequin in the stands. Okay. I don't understand what the big deal is. Who cares? Like who cares? It ain't great. Okay, but who, what is honestly though? What is the big difference? The obvious, small, maybe the it's yeah. naked. Okay, but <laughs> you're not going to put a naked mannequin. No, I think they clothe them. Okay, so they're probably going to clothe the sex dolls. Okay, fair point. Touché. So now what? Just pretend they're like eating a hot dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. Major League players are fighting back against safety protocols. We'll talk about it next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I think there's a gray area, especially when you look at such a large community, that we're not going to be under quarantine, you know, lock and key 24 hours a day. Um, so, you know, you can't put people in a bubble but at the same time like i you know i think i can trust our guys this is really important to play in this game and uh, you know i think we can be trusted not to 
go to the mall and lick other people's faces and then come back within the locker room and 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 spread the you know spread anything to their team. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was Charlie Blackman on MLB Network Radio yesterday, making it very clear he thinks that he can trust his fellow brethren within Major League Baseball to make this thing work. It sounds like Major League Baseball players are pushing back on some of the ideas that the league had proposed as safety precautions for the players. Now, this comes from a piece from Ken Rosenthal, and he had a few different things that they're pushing back against. One thing that the players do want, and we talked about this with Mike Trout, he said he wants to see them tested every single day. He wants to see every player tested every day. Well, according to Ken Rosenthal, that's not realistic because we're not going to have enough tests at that time in July to be able to do exactly that. So that's kind of a non-negotiable thing, right? That's one thing that they can't do. Other things that they can do, though, there are a few things that players are arguing for. They want fewer restrictions whenever they're at the hotels on the road. Because in the current plan that Major League Baseball has, sounds like they basically are sequestered to that hotel at all times whenever they're on the road playing road games. Which makes sense. In my opinion. I agree. You heard it there from Charlie Blackman, who suggests, yeah, we're not going to be out there licking poles as we're walking down the road. I understand, but, Jamie, if you are trying to get an entire season put together over four, five, six months, and you want to make this work, this is what has to happen. And if I'm one of these players, I almost feel like they're arguing both sides of this right now. And it's not going to be a good look for them once again. Surprise, surprise. But you've got these guys coming out on one hand saying, hey, I don't want to play unless I'm getting my full allotment of money because I'm taking such a big risk. And on the other hand, they're out here saying, when I'm on the road, I don't want to be sequestered into the hotel. Well, yeah. if it's such a big risk, then you should be sequestered into the hotel. And that I just I think they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth and they need to just stop right now. Those exact comments are exactly why they should have those protocols in place and follow them. Because we talked about this yesterday, and I don't care what side of the fence you lie on when it comes to COVID-19. If you're a believer, a non-believer, it's serious, it isn't serious, it's a flu, it's it's not a flu. (laughs) I couldn't care less what your beliefs are. But I do know this. You've got that many players that are in Major League Baseball you're going to get a bunch of different opinions on what they feel about this COVID-19. And when that happens, you end up with these situations where you got a player that's kind of like making fun of it. Ah, we're not going to go lick poles. I'm sure it was a shot of humor for him. But what if that's the way he feels like, I don't want to be sequestered at a hotel. This is nothing but a flu. I'm not putting words in his mouth. I'm saying player X in quarantine decides to say that stuff or believes that stuff. That's where you have problems. So your Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, NFL, whatever the NFL is down the road. But I think you just put a plan in place where, and this is kind of my own life philosophy right now, is let's just pretend that it's exactly what they say it is. What's the worst that can happen? I'm wrong because I overreacted? Well, okay, I'll take that loss. If I'm overreacting and everything is fine and this is not as big as everybody thought or is not as big of a deal, then great. I'm the overreacting guy. I'll take that loss rather than the other way around going, well, it's not, we don't have to do this. We don't have to do that. And then all of a sudden 
something happens. And it's one thing in your life, Jamie, where it's like an individual, but with your family, right? There's obviously a lot of stake there for you and your yeah. family yep. on a on a personal level. But for these players, it's not just them. It's not just their family. It's also a billion-dollar industry that is at stake. Yep. So you've got to keep that in the back of your mind as well. Like, if it's just you and you're on your own, you're single, you're living in your own home, right? And you decide, I don't care. I don't care what's going on right now. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live your life. Good for you. Uh, more power to you, whatever, right? There, there's not a whole lot at stake there for you individually. When you put this on the line, though, now you're talking about a league that if one person gets infected, they don't trace it right away, and now you've got an entire team infected and the league has to shut down for two weeks, that's where things become problematic. I also found this quote from Paul DeYoung to be a little interesting. said this to ESPN, quote, I'd like to see the freedom operating in the clubhouse and on the field. Just the things inside the clubhouse we'd like to see intact as much as possible. Not being indoor in the batting cage, using batting gloves, the sunflower seeds, the spitting thing. What if I got dirt in my mouth? These things are all silly, but I understand where they are coming from, I guess. That's Paul DeYoung to ESPN. Some of these things do sound stupid. Until you realize, okay, well, it's necessary. It's necessary for them to have some of this stuff in place. The shower thing, I don't know if it's totally necessary, but if you're a player and you're going to negotiate the shower thing and it's... In- I don't think it's a negotiation there, though. I think that's just craziness. Okay. I'm sorry. You can have a lineup to get into Costco. The people are 10 feet apart and take it. And you can't tell me you can't have a lineup in your locker room of guys are going to shower and get out of the way. And then the next guy can shower and get out of the way. Totally understand. I'm thinking about it from the owner's perspective. What they just won in the last collective bargaining agreement was basically an extra spot on the bus. And response, the owners got an extra percentage of the salaries. So, yeah. like, if, if I'm a player, I don't want to use that as a negotiating tactic. If you're I guess what be I'm able looking to at just, is I think that's a stupid thing as a negotiating piece in all this. I agree, but if I'm an owner, I put it in there because it covers my ass and there's no reason not to. Yeah. And then we move forward. And if they're going to try to negotiate around from it and we get in response this revenue sharing thing that we want, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> that's like, quite the stretch right, there. Sweet. That's um, good payoff. Obviously, that's a stretch, but there are things like that that could potentially be in play here. I'm going to be really interested to see what the final plan looks like. Because from what I understand after reading some of these things, what we saw earlier this week was a draft. Mm -hmm. It was a draft that Major League Baseball wrote up to be able to send to eventually the players, to the health personnel, and to the local government officials. And what they got in response, they're going to revise it to see what they ultimately need down the road. Yeah, so basically they threw it out there, gauge of the temperature of some of these things, and now we're going to make it official with a document that probably makes a little more sense. Exactly. So that's the one that we should be paying attention to. All of this should happen over the weekend. Based on what we've been reading, it sounds like this weekend is a significant time for Major League Baseball because next week is kind of when that soft deadline is for them to be able to negotiate and come to an agreement for everything to be in place by that June 10th date that they have in the back of their mind. If that's going to happen, they've got to have this health uh, protocol in place by the weekend. They've got to have their actual format of where these teams are going to be playing, what the season looks like, what the playoffs look like. All of that has to be in place and in structure by this weekend. And then there needs to be some sort of an agreement on the money. And that's when things get difficult. But if they can get those first two things out of the way first Mm -hmm. and then eventually get to the money, that's probably the way that this is going to have to go down for Major League Baseball. And fingers crossed, I think by this time next week, Jamie, we're going to have an agreement from the NHL. 
I think we're going to have, we're going to be closer to knowing exactly what the NBA season is going to look like when they resume. I think there's going to be an agreement by that within the next 10 days or so. Do you think there will be an agreement by this time next week for Major League Baseball? No, I don't. I honestly don't. I think that out of all of them, I think that baseball, the players and the owners, in my opinion, keep moving the goalposts around. And therefore, they're going to just continue to do that. They're going to continue to change the scenarios and and then reference back to the money, reference back to the health. Like They're going to just bounce all over the place. And that's a really, really difficult way to get things solidified. The only way it gets done is if the players give ultimate power to Tony Clark and say, here's what we'll do, here's what we'll bend on, here's what we won't bend on. You get in that room, sit across or down the table in a big room because we all know social distancing. I want to make sure that we're all clear here. You get in there and you talk to, you know, whether it's uh, Manfred or whoever they want to put in there as their liaison. And guys, don't leave the dang room until you have an agreement. I'm going to put my optimistic hat on. It's Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. We're close to the weekend. It's a three-day weekend. We're not going to be here on Monday. We'll have some fantastic Wait, blues games from. You, you didn't got know Monday this? off? You Come didn't on, BK. You spoiled it. We wanted Rivs to show up on Monday. What? Did you not know There's this? There's no show Monday? Uh, nope. We. I won't be here on Monday. Ryder Maybe said you I, will. Ryder said I get paid time and a half for Monday. Ooh, well, Ooh. that's interesting. Uh, huh. Don't know if that's exactly how this is going to go, but wow. tune in Monday for a special Blues Memorial Day replay <laughs> featuring re-airing of some of the best games of this past Blues season. Enjoy a look back with games all day long, including some of the best comeback victories from the 2019-2020 season during Blues Memorial Day replay. Again, that is next Monday on 101 ESPN. It is all brought to you by Schnooks, honoring the heroes that serve and sacrificed for all of us. So that'll be on Memorial Day. We will not be here. In place of that, I think they get a deal done. I think Major League Baseball comes to some sort of a an agreement. Don't know if it'll be finalized, but I think it's going to come to some sort of an agreement by the time that we are at this time next week. Do you think it's a full agreement, or do you think it's an agreement to get started back to the facilities and we'll continue to work on a final draft once we get that done? The latter. All right. I think it's an agreement in principle of this is kind of the the skeleton of what we're looking at. Start getting everybody to their uh, spring training sites. All right. I think that's what they're going to want to do because if they have that June 10th date in the back of their mind, that has to start now. You have to start getting these people into self-isolation. And once they've got that, now we can figure out what we're going to do moving forward. It kind of gives you another week and a half or so, 10 days or so, to be able to kind of work with everything else. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll cross things over with a fast lane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's 148. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's time to cross things over with the fast lane. Chris Ranji in studio with us. Ranji, what's up, man? Hello, fellas. How you doing? You guys good today? I feel like everybody in this room is in good spirits. Yeah. That's kind of how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, not always. Not I mean, always. You never know. I mean, sometimes. I mean, sometimes Jamie can be a little grump. What are you talking about? Sometimes. I'm not grumpy. He never. Eh. I've never seen it, and maybe he goes home and does it, or he's in his car, (laughs) but I've never seen him angry. Oh, well. I hope he doesn't. That makes one of us. (laughs) Really? Well. Rivers, do you have it in the car? What? Do you have (laughs) it? 
What do happened? You, do you have a rage problem? Are you kidding me? I don't. I don't say it's a rage problem. Do, do you have a rage issue? He's only kicked twelve puppies. Do I? That is not true. That's BT. Now. Do I have a switch? Speaking of rage problems. Do I have a switch that goes off? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but what sets you off? It could be the smallest thing sometimes. Okay, so then that's a rage problem. (laughs) (laughs) If it's a a small thing, that means it's a problem. Okay, so here's... I'll give you the truth. You want to dive into this? Yes, I do. You want to Dr. Phil me over there? All right, buckle up, Dr. Phil. You just hit it. I'm not Dr. Phil. I'm somebody who's not a charlatan. Okay. Um, So I'm like... uh, I don't know. Give me another doctor. I don't Uh, know. uh, uh, Dr. Drew. Freud. Dr. Drew, Fauci. Pinsky. Fauci, not, Fauci. A, not a charlatan. Freud, not a charlatan. Well, was Freud a charlatan? Freud, no, Freud might have been a charlatan. Pretty... <sighs> Who cares at this Whatever. point? Whatever, anyway, go ahead. Your, what's, your, what's your problem? Okay, here's where I am. I am extremely quick-tempered, okay? Like, the smallest thing can send me from zero to 10,000, but, okay, I also can come back from 10,000 to zero very quickly. okay. Now, it's what happens in that small gap that if something sets it off again, like if we have a double set off during the reset, then we have a problem. Okay. Yeah. So are, are you blaming other people or are you taking ownership of your actions? Well, usually blame other people because why would I just get angry for nothing? Because you have a rage problem. No, but see, that's not... so. So, although probably true, not entirely accurate, okay? Ranji's about to feel this rage problem. I'm I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I like this. logs on this fire. The way it works with me is something has to set me off, okay? Okay. So, it's not like I just walk around and I'm, like, just bubbling over and I'm just looking for somebody to say something and just, ah! Yeah. No, something has to happen usually, usually to get me to get angry. And so, I'll get angry quickly and then I do bring it back down pretty quickly. The problem is if we have a double angry in that before the reset <laughs> happens, then then it's more difficult. Okay. Yes. See, it's, it's interesting you bring this up because we are going to, on the show today, talk about things that just set you off. Oh, boy. Yeah, Me it, personally or everyone? No, no, just all of us uh, okay. in, in general on the fast lane. So it's, triggers. It's coming up. So triggers, yeah. Okay. And it could be the Somebody's smallest of things. the same line of a song 25 times. That that'll get me every time. Really? Like you know how somebody like will get a song stuck in their head, and they only know they only know the one line. Yeah. Like what song does it for you? Uh, It's not a song specifically that does it. It's It's, just not knowing the act of. It's not. It's the act of singing that same line over and over, and a lot of the time the person doesn't even realize they're doing it. Baby shark. But that one doesn't do it. That one makes me happy for some reason. I don't know why. But it's like an actual song. If you only know the one lyric from it, and you just repeatedly do it because it's stuck in your head, I'm like, we gotta stop. We gotta stop. That'll set me off every time. I don't want to know which one it is. (laughs) One of my closest friends, I'm convinced, doesn't know all of the lyrics to any one song. Mm. Like, I don't, uh, seriously, but... Knows any any lyric from every song, but not all of the lyrics to... But usually, it's, it's not even accurate. Does you know, like I don't. I don't think he knows start to finish the lyrics to any song ever written except "Happy Birthday," okay. and it's it's to the point where it's, it's kind of adorable. A, yeah, you know, it's kind of adorable. That but he does, does he go this. mumbles or just fill in with words? He that fills he in words that that aren't there. Okay. I have an uncle. Well, like, Sean, that. that's not that's not what. <laughs> <laughs> and then does he fight you on it? No. 
He's like, oh. And he just goes, his heels in. He just laughs about it. He thinks it's hilarious. So we've all been watching some stuff that we normally wouldn't watch during the pandemic, right? I just saw this tweet. Um, I think we've officially reached the point where we need stuff to come back. Okay. Because CBS says that it is going to an air a special next weekend. That is called Haircut Night in America. Okay. In which celebrities like Jerry O'Connell and Kelly Osborne give themselves haircuts. Jerry okay. O'Connell's still a thing? We are we are at the end of the rope. Wait, Jerry O'Connell is was he Robin? No. Is that Chris Chris O'Donnell? Wait, no, that was Rosie O'Donnell. Not Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> what the hell? She could play Robin. No, I'm about to get set off. What? No, who was it? Jerry O'Connell was in no. Kangaroo Jack. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. Was he a uh, Kush? Uh, was he? Yes. In, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Kush. Maguire. Yes. That's scumbag. who it is. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Scumbag. I always got him confused with the dude who played and it was like Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. Isn't that his brother? Well, yeah. One guy, see, no. Chris. One guy's called Chris O'Donnell. The other guy's called Jerry O'Connell. See? Brothers. Yeah, they were yeah, about, about the same close. time, right? Not even close. <laughs> were, not weren't even they close. actors about the same time in history? <laughs> I guess. They, I'm sure there was a crossover somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, I got How have confused. we arrived at this point? I don't know. I got a text, guys. It. Nobody's um, watching this, right? Nobody's actually going to watch But it. I think my daughter's listening. Okay. Um, she says that I have 100% anger issues. Uh-huh. And That's that Ashton, my one boy, and the puppy are my trigger. The, do- the, dog? the dog? Well, the dog does piss me off. I'll tell you that much. He's nonstop. He chews on stuff all the time and, and just drives me berserk right now. And my oldest son, well, my oldest, he's a minute older than his brother. So I guess we'll call him oldest son. He has a way of, of just setting me off. And I like got to look at him and remember that. I love him. Do you think it's it's uh, living here that's done that to you? Because we've always heard about Canadian nice. So, like, once you move See, to the States. See, that's a myth. That's a myth, It's okay? a myth? It's, uh, Canadians are nice. Okay, so, yeah, we'll hold the door, please. Thank you. All this stuff. Yeah, we're nice, okay? But when you pet the cat the wrong way, it goes to angry in a hurry. Have you ever seen some of the toughest guys in the NHL? They're all Canadian. They're kicking butts on Saturday nights. And then they're going to have beer and say, hey, good game, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Eating their ketchup chips, having some poutine together. You said ketchup chips? That's apparently a thing in Canada. You ever had a beaver tail, Ronge? No. No? You never had a beaver tail? That's a Canadian thing. Okay, but it sucks. Like, like you... An actual beaver tail that you eat, or is it something else it's you something call else, a beaver yeah. tail? Okay. It's just like a pastry that they make, and they flatten it all out, and they cover it's it in brown sugar. That's what I sugar. thought he was talking about, but I'm glad he took it that route. Yeah. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Frank and Kylie. It's well, hold on. Hey, hey, enough with your, uh, enough with your walking slide. out. I want to hear about these ketchup chips. Cat, you, oh, the ketchup chips or the yeah. beaver tails? Well, the ketchup chips. The ketchup chips? Well, they make them... They're, well, flavor, they're chips that are flavored like flavored with ketchup. ketchup yeah, flavored? like powdered yeah. ketchup on it's these like barbecue chips. chips. Yeah. The the yeah, powder that you'd have, which is awesome. It's it's yeah. ketchup. Well, you know what's really Don't funny is that wear white pants though. There is, there isn't much of a difference if you think about it between the, the barbecue and the ketchup. Guy. There there really isn't. But for some reason, that just sounds so much more disgusting than barbecue. I'm chips. gonna get a bag of ketchup chips for you. Okay, all right, buddy. What do you um, guys got coming up today? Okay, uh, did you guys hear about the XFL? Huh. Heard a thing or two about it. Yeah, maybe Kaka Part Two. 
And if it does come back to St. Louis, well, uh, considering we're putting haircuts on TV, <laughs> I think the answer is yes, you would be excited at the Battlehawks <laughs> return to St. Louis. The fast lane with Stalter, Thompson, and Ranji. That's me. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.